Alright, 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 alright. Finally, alas, episode four. It feels like forever. How long has it been since we got together, Matt? Three weeks? Four weeks? It's got to be something like that. So here we are. We're a little tardy on getting some content together. Uh, everybody's been busy, bear hunting, dealing with salmon issues, gun bans, mayhem, bedlam. It's been out of, <laughs> there's been lots on our plate and uh, trying to deal with COVID and all that other good stuff. So, uh, so let's get a couple of little housekeeping, some updates on what's going on around, uh, around our world, our hunting and fishing world. Dustin, big bar, landslide, where are we at? So with the big bar landslide, I was on a call last week and there was an internal DFO call too that I got a little, a few tidbits from anyways. So the original idea was for the Upper Fraser Chinook that they'd keep any brood stock at the Quinell River Research Center. Unfortunately, they ran out of time and there wasn't enough uh, time to store any stock there or make some changes. So what they're actually going to do is they've struck a deal with the Freshwater Fisheries Society BC and they're going to store any brood stock that they need, uh, those adult Chinook at the Vanderhoof Sturgeon facility. So they'll be just a, a little ways up the road and we've got some good connections there. Um, they're going to start on probably June 1st when uh, Chinook start to arrive. They're going to be tagging some fish and seeing what their passage looks like. Approximately about 100 a week is what they're looking at doing. So Chinook as well as Sockeye, all the monitoring stations are in place. And as of, I think, a few days ago, they hadn't seen any uh, any fish show up. But a good portion of those uh, first first run fish should be should be into the river by now. Uh, like at the mouth of the Fraser? At the mouth of the Fraser, yeah. So they're on their way to Big Bar. Uh, should How be, long does that take normally? I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. So, I'll, Steve's cautioning me to get towards <laughs> towards my microphone. Let me say that again. How long should that take, Dustin? I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I believe in conversations with folks from DFO uh, a, a year or two ago, they'd said maybe a week or so, kind okay. of five to eight days sort of thing. Um, but, uh, but nobody knows for sure. I don't So think fish passage, good, bad, better than it was last year when we went through all this crap. Not sure yet. So we haven't had any fish show up at big bar yet. So we're very hopeful. Um, they've got the whoosh. Uh, so the whoosh stuff is in place. It's going to be fully operational by June 10th or 12th. Okay. And, that's cool. uh, yep. they have all the trucks, uh, ready to do transport. Um, if, if a whole whack of fish show up pre pre whoosh readiness, so, so right. yeah, everything's looking really good there. And uh, we're really hoping that we don't see the 89% mortality that we've seen last year. Yeah, let's hope we don't repeat that. Speaking of, let's, let's flip off of mortality into natality. And we birthed us some salmon, which I think you, did you start the release? Normally we do a big whoop-de-doo around here. There was no whoop-de-doo. Uh, <laughs> but did the salmon get, did the salmon fry get released? Yes, they did, actually. So we took 11,000 uh, 11, Nachaco fry up to the upper Nachaco. Again, like you said, normally we have kind of the big barbecue at the hatchery, and we release about 1,000 or so right down here. Uh, that didn't happen, so we took the whole 11,000 all the way up. Uh, we were lucky enough. We stopped in Vanderhoof and met up with a couple other stewardship-minded folks, and they released a couple and uh, and a little farther up the river as well, but uh, all eleven thousand went back into the Chaco pretty much right at Swanson Creek, and that's exactly where we collected those eggs in the first place. Yeah, awesome. There's uh, I know there's lots. I uh, Dustin had to present the COVID protocol to make sure we were all virus friendly and stuff. Um, so I'm glad that went well. Uh, speaking of virus, Mandy, 
what's going on in virus land. Is there much going on? Mandy's a nurse, if anyone doesn't know that. So she's around healthcare. Is it good or bad? It's it's definitely improving. We're not seeing a lot of new cases in the province, which is encouraging. Yep. Uh, we'll see after the next two weeks here, um, after they've relaxed some of the restrictions. I know there have been some get-togethers happening. Yeah, and yeah, yeah we're yeah. just going to have to watch the numbers, and hopefully they don't put more restrictions back on us and like clamp down on our <laughs> on our lives. On like, our lives. <laughs> I'm kind of digging it. We fi- I finally embraced the PPE thing. So I've got the black uh, Juarez drug cartel face mask and uh, and the gloves and stuff. When I do appraisals, I'm digging it, man. Really, really digging it. It's a great vibe. <laughs> it is a great vibe. I, I feel like I've been missing out for a long time. You, you need to be careful using the word embrace right now. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> You're yeah. going to get locked you, down. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, bear hunting is uh, underway. Uh, Mandy and I have both uh, got out. Uh, Mandy, you got a nice bear. Yeah, a real big pumpkin head. It's <laughs> a real nice bear. Yeah, he's he uh, kind of intimidated me when he came back out. I was like, "Ooh, that's big." <laughs> that's big. Yeah, you did a great job there. So, uh, so how many will you fill both your tags this year? Uh, this one is so big. I really don't have any room in my freezer, so I'm done. <laughs> Show off. Spring. What a braggart. <laughs> get another freezer. Yeah, get another freezer. Yeah, I, I don't quite have that problem. I got a decent bear after uh, kind of a bad mishap. We'll get into that one when we get into uh, our story time a little bit later. So um, so <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff that's been going on. Um, and some of that stuff has uh, prompted some uh, some creative energy. Steve, you wrote a really really good op-ed piece. So if you're not, if anybody's listening on the Cutbanks conversation, uh, Steve and I had talked about having an op-ed um, component where we would uh, publish our own articles. And I mean, time being what it is, and everybody's got lots on their plate right now. Um, we didn't have a lot of time, but of course, the gun ban came out, and Steve wrote a dynamite article, which we uploaded to the website. And uh, it went uh, crazy awesome. Uh, I wrote a less uh, robust, uh, more uh, tongue-in-cheek fun article that did not get quite as much traction, but it was brilliantly written, might I say. But uh, on the gun ban thing, Steve, where are we at with that? Well, that actually started as I was taking notes uh, for an interview for a local media outlet. Uh, As as we know, there's a a gun ban that's kind of come down uh, arbitrarily on May 1st. 1,500-plus... Uh, firearms, I won't use the word weapons, right. it has been a sound bite to make them sound far scarier than they are. Uh, yeah, there's been, uh, I, I filed a petition that's kind of taken off and the, the, the news outlet reached out to get my thoughts on it. Uh, and as I was writing down notes, I kind of turned it into a 1500 some odd word, word. Yeah, it was really awesome. Yeah, I got to play editor, which was fun. Uh, but Steve had this great idea, so it was good. It's it, you know what's fun about the what's fun about the podcast, and what's fun about you know when Steve was writing that article. And one of the things I really like about this forum, um, you know, when we're doing these conversations, is we get a we get a chance to feed off of each other's energy and their, and their experience and your input. But what was what was really cool about this is to get outside of the the group of the the seven of us. Mm-hmm. And to see all of the people kind of, I mean, there were some people that really reacted. I'm sure that I haven't read all the negatives. I know, I know there's going to be some. There was one. But, yeah, there was, well, there's one that we had to say, see you later too on our, on our <laughs> website. But, um, but I mean, it was just great to see the level of engagement. So it was really, really good. Um, but that's probably prompted something else for us to talk about it a little longer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're actually going to be talking about uh, doing another podcast that... Uh, 
speak specifically on firearms. We're going to have uh, myself, uh, Todd Doherty is going to be here, Mike Morris, uh, Brandy Hansen. I believe you're going to be on that, aren't you, Mandy? Yeah, sure. Mandy could sure. be on that one. And we'll have, uh, <laughs> we're going to have uh, local business, uh, Carrie, or, uh, Cassie. Carrie, Cassie Premack. Uh, and Dave from KKS Tactical. And they actually filed a brilliant lawsuit against this and uh, pretty stoked to see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, for a local business. And I mean, the tactical component of... Um of the of the weapons that they they, they shoot firearms well, yeah yeah uh, <laughs> as, as steve Rodella says dee, 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 dee. you're one of those guys absolutely right? yeah um but uh the, i think what was important for them is that there was kind of a no notice sort of thing and i mean that takes away about 40 percent of their revenue uh they do lots of tournament shooters uh lots of recreational shooters lots of people in their business have nothing to do with hunting um or fishing it's strictly just people that like to go to the range and shoot targets uh, and that had a serious impact on their their business. So, and, and uh, got in front of me. Everybody, check your mailbox. If you've got a, a pal, you're probably getting a letter that uh, lets you know about this prohibition. So, there's two million pal pal holders in Canada at a dollar a piece. We're already two million dollars into something yep. that uh, yep. came arbitrarily. Yep. Yeah, we're two million bucks, and uh, it will accomplish nothing. So, but that's a subject for another podcast. Coincidentally, that we are going to be one of our upcoming episodes. Uh, I think episode six is going to deal uh, specifically with that. And the other teaser, uh, Steve and I will be meeting with Kyle Stelter, who is the past president of the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. And uh, that'll be our episode five. And we're going to be talking about uh, the world of wild sheep, what that means, what they do. Uh, so you can kind of learn a little bit about their backstory and the things that they do on the ground. And then we got a little session called, So You Want to Be a Sheep Hunter, Do You? And a little Sheep Hunting 101. And Kyle's going to tell us all of the things that uh, for all of us that are aspiring um, sheep hunters, like me, uh, what that looks like, uh, and we'll see what that can, can turn into. So anyway, uh, today's podcast is our Campfire Confessions. So Campfire Confessions is just a conversation with, uh, just to, to, to talk a little bit about hunting, why we hunt, uh, what it is, that, how, how we got into it, uh, what attracted it uh, attracted us to this as a lifestyle or as a tradition, what it means for us, a few tales of uh, heroism and woe, I'm sure. So I think we should uh, crack a beverage from one of our local breweries. How about a little trench brewing, I think, everyone? Is it... Oh, listen to that. Can you hear that? <laughs> as Dustin gets it all over the I microphone. The sound is sweetness. So the folks at Trench Brewing were, were uh, sipping a little Pine Pass Pale Ale and a little Amanika Blondale. Are you and, sure we're sipping it, not dumping it And on dumping ourselves. it on, our, on ourselves <laughs> in the microphone. Uh, so we'll start with a big cheers. Uh, welcome to the Cutbanks Campfire Conversations. All right, so I've got a little passage. Um, there's a great book. Um, if, you, if you want a, a really good collection of, of, a, lot of uh, a lot of layers and a, and a lot of different ways in and into into looking at hunting uh, and as an outdoor uh, as an outdoor recreation the book is uh, called um, a hunter's heart uh, honest essays on blood sport uh, it's a collection of a number of writers uh, david peterson being the, the one that put it all together so there's one of the one of the uh, essays is by john madsen and it's it's called why men hunt now mandy <laughs> That's not, <laughs> I'm sure what the, t the time when this was written, it wasn't supposed to be just about men. But uh, anyway, but I thought this sentiment, you know, I've read this a couple of times and uh, I, I don't think you could more aptly describe the, 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 the way it captures 
that 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 initial moment of of heading out. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get us started with that, and then we're gonna get into some conversation. Uh, okay, here we go. The genuine hunter is probably as free as it's possible to be in this technocracy of ours. Free not because he sheds civilized codes and restraints when he goes into the woods, but because he can project himself out of and beyond himself, out of and beyond the ordinary, to be wholly absorbed in a quieter, deeper, and older world. You know how it is. When you go into the woods, your presence makes a splash, and the ripples of your arrival spread like circles in water. Long after you have stopped moving, your presence widens in rings through the woods. But after a while, this fades, and the pool of silence is tranquil again, and you are either forgotten or accepted. You're never really sure which. Your presence has been absorbed into the pattern of things. You have begun to be a part of it, and this is when the hunting really begins. And I thought that was just... That whole, you get there and, and there's that moment where the world around you is unsettled. It was like, like who, who's the intruder, right? And it, when, you, when you get into that space, I really connected with that, you know, that whole idea that there's an impact, but at some point you become part of it, right? And, and you, you sort of wrap your arms, or, whether they accept you, but you wrap your arms around the space that you're in. And, and you seek to be part of it. And we, we saw, you know, Steve and I often talk about that, uh, that idea that, you know, the hunter in that moment becomes one of the predators on the landscape. And I mean, it, it, you, you feel be, you know, part of that whole natural order. Anyway, um, if you're looking for a book that I think sometimes as hunters, we always, you, you, wanna, you wanna qualify how you feel and sometimes the words escape us. This is just filled with passage after passage of really, really great ways to kind of get your feelings out in front of you. Uh, if you can't say it, I can guarantee you'll have found somebody in one of these essays that'll have said it for you. All right, so uh, we are all from uh, probably varied backgrounds. Uh, we all got into hunting for different reasons. The purpose of this is strictly to sort of, sort of explore our, our personal experiences and our, our, our references, our, our personal references um, in, in terms of what hunting means and, and what it is and why it is in our life. So I want to start with our, everybody's very first hunting experience. So I will just randomly pick somebody. I want to know what your first hunting experiences uh, were. You know, were you involved in it? Did you observe it? Was it just something that you saw, you know, on television? What's your first recollection of uh, hunting uh, in, in, in a context in your life? Mandy. Geez. <laughs> well, one of the first ones I can remember is going out with my family, with mom and dad and my sister. And there's some trail south of our hometown that we like to hike on. It's quite a hike. And I think I was only about four at the time. We go walking there and we had our little dash hound with us and she'd flush grouse up. But uh, That's awesome. she, yeah. she wasn't so well behaved. I remember <laughs> we saw this group of deer and my dad got very excited because there was a buck and he's like, oh my God, there's a buck there and he's getting ready. <laughs> the dog just saw those deer and just went after them. <laughs> and there my dad is just swearing and yelling at the dog and I'm saying to him, oh no, daddy, the deer are getting away. <laughs> That's what I remember. <laughs> What's interesting is you is you referred to it as a dash and not a, a hunting dog. <laughs> and I, as soon as you said that, I was like, there's 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 something, there's a, there's a spoiler alert there. <laughs> you didn't refer to it as a hunting dog. So yeah, that's awesome. So did you grow up in a hunting family? Oh yeah. Uh, so hunting, fishing, and you were, so you were sort of born into it and they yep. they were all hunting and fishing as when they oh, were yeah. kids. Yeah, my parents um they both grew up hunting. Uh, my mom not so much because 
it just wasn't traditional back then for like girls to be out hunting, right? Right. But um, her brothers definitely, and my dad would hunt and trap like from a really young age. He used to um, bring home moose when he was like 13 oh, wow. for the family. So uh, your family, um, siblings? Mm-hmm. Do you have siblings? Yes. Okay, does everybody hunt? Not my sister. She's very interested in it. She's in Sweden now, so... I think eventually, maybe when the kids are a bit older, she might. She might. She might get into it again, but definitely fishing. She's like a huge fly fisherman. Okay. Yeah. So when you, you're, you're first, so, I mean, you, you go out, you're, you're around it all the time. Mm-hmm. So in that experience, what, what, uh, was there ever a time where you like, I don't think I want to do this? Or is this like, I'm always going to do this? I think it was like, I'm always going to do this. It just felt right. It was like natural for me. And like, lo- I felt like I should be doing this. Like lots of wild game and stuff oh, in, yeah. in for, for what you guys ate? Like, uh, yep, that's okay. pretty much all we ate. Like, I remember one winter we didn't get a moose, but we, we got a cow from a rancher and I was like eating it as a kid. And I'm like, man, this isn't as good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is crap. <laughs> I'm still like that. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. City boy too, to, be, to boot. Okay, Steve. So, uh, Steve, your first recollection of hunting, what's your first experience up against that? It's, it's, it's not quite like that. I was about eight years old and uh, I remember getting dragged out of elementary school by my grandfather and my great uncle. I had no idea where we were going, and uh, we drove all the way up past Boston Bar and into the backwoods and uh, pulled into camp, and there was a deer hanging there in front of me, and my dad and his two brothers were out out hunting, and uh, it was pretty much, the bang, there's a deer. It, there was no... Uh, no preamble into it, no introduction. It was, here you go. I didn't go on a hunt, but I was there to be exposed to it by my granddad. So so does, did your dad do like an annual deer hunt and stuff with, with family every year? No, my dad <laughs> was uh, on this hunt for the one time. My dad's got two brothers and uh, my dad's the oldest. The middle brother is the hunter still to this day and the younger brother doesn't hunt. Okay. Uh, not anymore. So... Uh, yeah, it was one of those ones where they, my granddad and my great uncle figured they'd bring me to expose me to where, where food comes from. Were they just trying to try you on and see what your reaction was? Or were they hoping to, to like to co-opt you into the, the uh, world of us, us bad people, hunter? No, I, I, I think it was more of a, this is what, uh, little boys should do. Right. And, uh, I learned that weekend real quick how to, uh, safely operate a, a firearm uh, how to shoot it, uh, how to, how to throw a knife, which is kind of cool. I've still got the knife in my, uh, my, my <laughs> I, I don't know that has a hunting application, but it's a cool skill nonetheless. <laughs> Absolutely. <Wait>. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was just a bonding time, I think with, with my granddad and, uh, something I still look fondly back on. You've, so, you've seen the picture. Yeah. So when you, so when you come out of that, it, how long, how long till you start hunting after that first experience? Oh, wow. Um, it, I went back to to Vancouver, and I the next time I went hunting was 2001 with my my dad's middle brother was up here. I came up to visit him, and uh, was uh, that the reason the pretense was to come up here to go hunting? No, no, it was just come up to visit my cousins and uh, my aunt and uncle, and uh, I I remember sleeping in the spare bedroom and 
getting woken up at about four thirty, five o'clock in the morning saying, get dressed, we're going hunting. <laughs> and it was a, what? Yeah. They didn't tell me about this part. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, <laughs> went for, uh, for one of the local loops and, uh, there was grouse and rabbits and watched them get, uh, taken with a 410 and learned the, how to step on the wings and pull and a couple neat tricks on how to skin a rabbit. And it was one of these things where I asked later, I said, well, how do I get involved in this? I kind of like knowing a little bit more about where my food comes from. Right. And here we are today. So 2001. So there's a, quite a gap. Mandy, how long after your, how, how long after the, the, the dog ruined the hunt for your father? <laughs> how long till you were, were you, did you go through hunters at it? In BC, I don't know what it is. I think you can start in Saskatchewan where I'm from at 10, but you can't legally hunt. You can start your course when you're like 10, 10 years it's old or so. 10 years old here for, for your <laughs> core. You can get a junior license, but um, yeah, it's not in school anymore. I know what you used to be up here because that's where my cousin got his. But So how long, like how old were you when you finally went out and started hunting? I actually didn't get my hunters, like my core until I was a teenager. And I think I, I just felt like I didn't want to be responsible for not shooting the deer <laughs> for us to eat that winter. Like even after I got it, like my dad and I went out and we saw a moose and dad's like, you want to take it? You want to take it? And I'm like, I had my sights right out. I'm like, I don't know, dad, this whole year's worth of food. I was like, you get it, you get it. So you it didn't want the responsibility? I was just scared that I'd screw it up. And I'm like, I knew that that was like our food. Yeah. And I'm like, dad's a good shot. Let him, I'll get used to it. Let him take it first. We're going to come back to something you just said. That's interesting. And I want to contrast that. So Dustin, um, you grew up hunting or grew up in a hunting family? Yeah, actually very, very similar to Mandy. Um, you know, there's kind of family photos of, of kind of me in a diaper and a onesie in, in the middle of the pickup sort of thing. This is more than a few years ago, Steve. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, just, just a little tyke. And then there was a, a relatively big gap um, where kind of, uh, you know, dad was really busy and, and that sort of thing. And then uh, it's same sort of thing. I didn't get my, my core until I was in, into high school. Um, then kind of after moving away and whatnot and, and living on my own in college and that sort of stuff, uh, I had a, a little car, so hunting wasn't really much of an option. And then when we first moved to Prince George, uh, we actually had a, a like a 1992 Ford Aerostar, and that's what I started hunting in because it was just... <laughs> Nothing it, says hunting it, like an Aerostar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You gotta go You gotta go hunting, right? Yeah. So we had a tarp in the back in case we actually ever got anything because we didn't want to get <laughs> blood on the floor. <laughs> so... Okay. So you, so what, what was the impetus for you to, to say, okay, like you, you grew up around it. Um, so you're exposed to it. So d you didn't hunt as a teenager with your dad at all? or uh, just, just a, a little bit. Yeah. Like, uh, again, too, like I'd, I'd put in for my limited entry kind of back home. Um, you know, even when I was in college and that sort of stuff, just cause it, it seemed like, uh, again, it was kind of the family thing. You went out together and you, you know, a few people, like I'd go out with cousins and my, and my dad and that sort of stuff, as opposed to just kind of going out on your own. Um, now, you know, now I, I hunt on my own and that sort of stuff. But when I was younger, it, uh, it was something that kind of, a quite a few people went out. And I think, I think dad, like even my dad still, he goes out by himself every now and then, but, um, I just feel like uh, 
that was kind of what I was what I was more so raised on is that you went out with a couple people, whether it was uh, kids or cousins or whatever. There was always a group. That it's a social deal. Yeah, right? yeah, it's oh, a definitely. social deal. Social yeah. deal for you too, Manny. Like a social event, you know, like a deer camp or moose camp kind of thing. Uh, not so much. It's more like family time, I would say. It's become more of a social event for me, except this spring we had to cancel our plans, but usually my friend comes up from down south and we do like girls, like bear hunt week, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember that from last year. It was yeah, pretty and cool. we have so. like a great time doing it, but unfortunately due to COVID, we, yes. we weren't able to. Yeah, no. Uh, so, Steve... Is it, is it like, it was a, when you started into hunting, was it with your uncle, grandpa, is it, is it that annual, like it's the call of the wild, you know, the fall comes and a bunch of people get together and they book a week off or five days off and they go out. That's, that's hunting for me in Saskatchewan. It's like you pick your days and you're going to be gone and you go up to the cabin or they retreat to some part of the woods and everybody gets together and it was as much a social function as it was the idea of, of, of hunting something. Right. So was that the same for you? Uh, when I first got into it up here, yeah, uh, it was going out to, to camp with the guys to, to camp and anything else was a bonus. Uh, but now it's become more of, a uh, I go solo or with a couple of close friends yep. and I don't go out for weeks at a time or occasionally it's a weekend here and there, but it's, it's, it's evolved from, uh, from full camps to day trips. I think that's one luxury we have here as well, that you can go out for a day trip. Um, you know, if you're from uh, maybe the lower mainland or Surrey or that sort of thing, yeah. it's not as easy yeah. as just jumping in the truck and you're in the bush in 30 minutes sort of thing, right? We have, we have that luxury here, if you want to call it that. And that's the, and that, that's a big d- deal. I think right there, the fact that they, you know, uh, we can here, <laughs> we can get up and, and be out and you can be hunting in 15 minutes if you live in Prince George or Burns Lake or, no Vanderhoof or McKenzie in 15 minutes or, or less. Um, you know, I'm from Regina. So as much as there's hunting, I mean, you could go coyote hunting or, or I, I guess out your door, but I mean, deer hunting and stuff, you got to drive a little bit and it's lots of agricultural land and you got to have permission. And, you know, if you want to go up North, it's four hours to where I used to hunt. Um, it, it's not that simple. And, and one of the things I think it's, it's interesting as a hunter, when you watch all of the, with all the, the LEH stuff that goes on, and then you get on these hunting pages and you watch all the people that get, you know, pissed off because the people from the lower mainland are coming up and eating our moose and six oh fours. Right. Yeah, you know, the, yeah. yeah, but they get they get into all of that. And I think that's unfair because it's I mean, they're 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 as passionate, those hunters are as passionate as we are, and it's access is is a lot of it. And I always think it's what that I think that's a a really a good point that you make. Um not just about uh, our proximity to the resource is is, uh, is important because it allows us to fuel that need. I hunt way more now, or the idea of hunting way more now with way more convenience than I ever thought possible. So I, there's and there's something I want to circle back to because it's there's a there's a definite difference when I moved here in hunting, and it's something that you had said, and that's what I wanted to come back to. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about like how, how I get into hunting in Saskatchewan. So my brother is working at a restaurant and he's got a waiter buddy. They want to get into hunting. The guy's got a station wagon. I remember a celebrity station wagon, much like your Aerostar. And they've got a, the guy's taking a waterbed bladder 
and he's put an industrial zipper on it so that if he ever shoots anything, he can stuff it inside the waterbed bladder, zip it up, and all the blood and stuff. It's actually, it's genius. And Is he a, a serial killer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but th- so he's ha- hunting with this guy named Manny. And first it was bird hunting. And, and, and my, my brother and I don't grow up in a hunting family. My birth father uh, grew up in the Depression, and he hunted. And I, I always, he died when I was young. But I, I always had a romantic attachment to the, to me, he was kind of a, you know, a, Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett kind of guy, like a, you know, I would hear stories about my 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 dad from my grandparents, um, and you know about him riding a horse to school and you know carrying a lever action gun in the Depression and you know rattlesnakes and antelope and stuff, which I found out just before he died. Actually, we went on a family holiday, and that's when hunting kind of got revealed to me as it was it was somewhere in our past because uh, just before my dad dies, he, he, he gets diagnosed with cancer. So we went on a long family journey. He wanted to take us out through the Black Hills and into Montana and all these places that really resonated with him. And I mean, I was 10 years old when he died, so I don't know him that well, but we met his cousin, Vernon Janke. is this huge sprawling ranch in the in south, south central Saskatchewan. And we get in there and there's cougars and there's bear skins and you know there's it's kind of like being here inside the uh, in, inside the hatchery like there's just mounts everywhere and he's like oh your dad was quite a shot you know and he gives me that whole story oh your dad yeah he said he put down a lot of fantastic animals quite a hunter your father and he said you know back when we were kids he said your dad put a lot of food on the table and I I wasn't connect hunting I was looking at all of the the things you know. The, the, the fetish property pieces, the, the antlers and the, the fur. And I was, you know, at 10 years old, I'm compelled by that. And, but his cousin was saying that your dad put food on the table in the depression when, when as a young boy, he was out there. I mean, that's what you did. You hunted because you needed to eat. So that always sat in the back of my head, but it was not why I got into hunting. It had zero to do with what I got into hunting. So my brother's got this friend Manny and they, they want to go bird hunting and all this other stuff. And um, I'm like, well, like, so what's the deal? And at the time I wasn't, it was nowhere in my life. I wasn't interested. Um, you know, there was this grain of, of interest sitting somewhere in the back undisturbed, right? There no, it had not been watered. Um, so the seed had been planted, but nobody had nurtured it. But then my brother starts to go in through this thing and I'm like, so what's, so I go out with him one day and bird hunting and, and then we're going to bird hunt in the morning and we're going to deer hunt in the afternoon. And so I'm walking around with them and they have a spare shotgun. And I, I'm pretty sure I wasn't legal because I, I had no hunter safety. I'm sure there was nothing legal <laughs> about me being there. I'm going to go on the record as saying that. I'm sure the statute of limitations is out because this was <laughs> 1995, I think. Anyway, we're walking around in this, uh, this, this, this farmer's uh, pasture area where we have permission to hunt. And I've got this shotgun with a slug on it. And, and all of a sudden, I just there was this feeling that I had. It was the gun. It was being out there. But I wasn't thinking about food. I was thinking about, you know, to me, it was like one of them things for the wall, right? That's what I need. I need I'm looking for a big, a big set of antlers. But I remember that's when that seed started to get water, right? That thing started to kind of percolate and it started to grow inside me. And so, you know, went out and we, you know, we flushed some deer and, you know, they shot wildly like, you know, they were like drunken pirates with these shotguns and all they did was shoot trees and it was reckless and there was nothing ethical about it, but it was, you know, I was, I was just, I was startled by how engaged I was from the excitement. But again, I'm not connecting. It's not about food and I don't have a, 
there's a tradition, but it's not my, it's not really my tradition. It wasn't passed on. And I remember it started this whole kind of thought process. I, I want to revisit this. So then it's, I want to get into archery hunting. I decided I start doing some reading and about, uh, I'm reading magazines, hunting magazines. And I decide the noble pursuit is with a bow and arrow. This is as rustic. This is, the, and I'm trying to sell my girlfriend on it at the time. Uh, like this is, this is what's going to carry favor, right? If I do this with a bow and arrow, this will somehow be a more noble enterprise and, and engagement, right? It'll be more fair for the animal. And that's kind of how I started. Um, and, but I bow hunted like you would rifle hunt. So I would traipse around looking for a quick shot moment, you know, with a white tail or a mute. It was just awful. Like <laughs> my, my, my first adventures in hunting. Did or, you did you ever get anything with No, them? no, no. It was, besides, it was besides the trees. It was yeah, besides the trees. It was it was complete abject failure. It was terrible. But the that thing started inside me, right? The 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 need to be out there and it, it gave something back to me when I was out there. And what I was connecting to was probably the same the romantic ideal I probably had about my father is what I was connecting to, you know, if I if I'm being honest. That's what I that was a way for me to connect back to that person that I didn't know but it was never about food. So what I want to kind of, this is, this is the cool part about um, having two people that grew up in it because for you guys, you grew up in it for Mandy, it becomes all about like when I, it's not about a hunting party. It's about, we're getting food. Yeah. It's with family, but we're providing for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the food equation for me was so far removed. It's so far down the, 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 my trajectory in hunting food comes so much later it's got nothing to do with it but for you it was absolutely part of it right yeah for us it's like fill the freezer first and if you got a nice rack out of it well good good for you right right but, but, it, but it's you, always been meat first so meat first but absolutely not i mean if the antlers are the antlers but it's yeah. like yeah is it is it is it edible and is it accessible and yeah. let's get that done first and we'll worry about the other stuff later yeah. what about for you same thing, almost exactly. Yeah, like that's uh, I. I uh, my dad says it now because my grandpa's gone, but I remember my grandpa saying the antlers are tough eating. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. That, like who, who cares about those things? Check yeah. the regs. Is that legal? Yep, good. It's meat in the freezer, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so, what about you? And that's essentially what it is for me too. Uh, the only experience I ever had to uh, quote unquote trophy when I was a kid is in my granddad and grandma's basement. Uh, there was a, a four point muley on the wall and I assume my uncle shot it and a, a full mount stuffed pheasant. And neither of those things drove me to doing what I do now. It's you've hunted with me. It's uh, all right. If, it, if it's Brown, it's down. It's, it's legal. It's in the yep. freezer. Yep. And then everything else comes secondary. So when you grow up around, when you grow up around and we're, we're, uh, we're foods, the primary driver, right? As an adult onset hunter, I think that's the term that they use, um, we all get, we get there for different reasons. There's a different thing that catalyzes, um, you know, uh, either, you know, the, it creates the impetus for, there's, there's different, I guess there's different reasons that we, we come to this. And I, I think some people take a long time to think about why they're going to become hunters, particularly in this world where people want to know where their food comes mm. from and, um, they want, so they want more intimacy and a better understanding of, of their, uh, their food and its origin and, you know, uh, it's, uh, organic purity and all of that. I get that, but I don't embrace it. That's the whole reason that everybody gets into hunting. Cause I didn't, there's no nobility. I was unburdened by ethics. I was unburdened by a need to eat the animal. 
Um, I was a hundred percent bound by the fact that there was antlers and everybody that taught me about hunting, we were obsessed with the thing. It was a conquest. That's what it was. There's an interesting quote, um, uh, Ortega, uh, I think it's Ortega E. Gassette. Mm -hmm. And he says that, you know, um, we don't hunt to have killed, we kill to have hunted, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's an often quoted passage. Uh, I think it's from the Meditations of Hunting, I think is the book, am I right? Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I think about that a lot because in that there's probably though at the, I, I hunted because I put food on the table is a different statement than I hunted and I got this great mount on the wall. What'd you do with yeah. the meat? I don't know. Because I didn't. Like it, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like I threw it out, but I'd tell you honestly, for the first 15 years I hunted, I got the deer, shot the deer, sometimes shoot three deer in a season. And you know what we did? I turned it into sausage. You know what we would eat? Two things of sausage. You know what I did with the rest? Take it to the car dealership I worked up, back up the truck to the garage with all the mechanics, and they would have it gone in 90 seconds or less. <laughs> I paid to have deer processed that I, I would eat one or two things. It was never about that for me. I mean, and I'm being honest. I, I think what I find interesting is that there's, I, I read all of, the, I've been reading a lot of books about people's journeys into hunting. Um, and some people want to attach a ton of, you know, nobility and they want to touch uh, lots of poetry behind it. And there's a lot of sentiment. And sometimes I, I don't buy, I, I don't buy it because I, I had to be, I, I have to be really honest if I'm telling my story. I didn't come, I didn't get here. I, I am like that now. I wasn't that guy for 15 years. I was more about like how big it is and horn porn and all of those things like the, you know, big buck magazine and give me all of that stuff. And nobody talked about, boy, that, that would make a great Osobuco. Like there's no chance in hell that ever came up in a conversation. So now, and the reason I'll, I'll bring this back and let you guys speak to it, but I moved to BC, the, the most conspicuous thing, Steve and I become friends and start hunting 2015. But the most conspicuous thing after joining Spruce City and meeting all these people is even in my first few meetings, you're listening to people talk about hunting. And yeah, they're talking about, you know, big, the big stone sheep or whatever. But most of them are talking about meat for the freezer, meat for the freezer. I, I read posts and I join PG Hunters and, and all of these other local BC hunting and fishing. And everybody's talking about meat for the freezer and meat for the freezer. And yeah, there's some discussion about, you know, how many inches is the thing. And it, but it, 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 it's almost secondary. I mean, for, for not all of the people, I mean, there's still, there's still people that would embrace it from a trophy standpoint. It's just, I, I think the pursuit is interesting. And when I got into it, I, I think the people, like you got in with your grand, your grandfather and your uncle, right? So you get in with your, your, your family, you get in with your family. I get in with a with a with a waiter <laughs> and my brother, <laughs> you know, that happened to have a shotgun and a they got a celebrity station wagon with a waterbed bladder. So maybe maybe that's not the. I don't think this is a shot at you, Johnny. Don't take it personal. <laughs> Shout out to my brother there, but I mean, it's not that. It's just that we were uninformed, right? And and you couldn't nurture our growth, and you had to get there. Now I'm telling you, rearview mirror. Now I look back at the wild wild west cowboy that I was. And I'm like, what the hell was wrong with you, man? Like that is on no level. Is that, is that how you hunt now? It's just not. And, but I did it for a long, long time and never questioned it. Anyway, that's a little bit about my, 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 my journey as an adult onset hunter. And it, uh, it's probably not as romantic and, uh, is not as beautiful as some other. I, I, I think everybody else has a much nicer story. You guys got there and it's, 
it's a it's a wonderful evolution. So let's talk a little bit about um, who. So the skills that were required. Where, where the, there's always a knowledge gap when you get out there. Do, do you feel fully equipped now? And did they say, okay, so Dustin, you took the hunter safety and now we're going to teach you how to skin the animal, not hunter safety, but who said, okay, this is how you skin the animal. This is how you field judge a moose. Like how did you acquire all of your skill? Skill? <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe, maybe, okay, maybe I'm being generous. I but. have skill? Thanks. But, uh, uh, for, for the majority of that, that would be, that, that would be uh, my dad. Um, my one cousin came out with us quite a few times. Um, I still feel in, uh, in kind of all of our hunting adventures and whatnot, I still feel like, uh, like, of course, like dad can do it better sort of thing. You know, like we filled, uh, my, my wife filled a doe tag uh, this past winter and uh, you know, we get it back and then I'm skinning it and I look over and, you know, dad's got like his half done and, and here I am, you know, just barely down the one quarter and I'm like, oh man, like how am I, how do I not have this down packed yet? How do yeah. I not have it figured out? And I know what I'm doing. Um, again, too, I just don't have, I guess, the same, the same, uh, level of experience or the same time frame. dad's much more comfortable and I'm still trying to be super careful. Whereas, you know, same thing, dad did a lot of farming and that sort of stuff. So he, uh, he was used to, uh, skinning things and butchering things. You know, I, I hack a, uh, a chunk of meat off and I, I look at it and I go, Ooh, like this would make a good steak. And dad's like, Eesh, are, you, are you sure it would, <laughs> you know, like, you know, so it's uh, stewed meat. Dustin. Exactly. Yeah. But, but it's, uh, you know, I guess, uh, it's just kind of still that, that level of, of inexperience, you know, um, in, in gutting stuff. Uh, I, I can get it done. I'm comfortable with it, but it just takes me a, a little bit longer than it would somebody who has, a bit more experience, right? Mandy? What's funny now is my parents have kind of handed that part off to me because dad, in his old age, he doesn't really like to get his hands bloody anymore. <laughs> and Does and that mean he doesn't want to like, <laughs> I'm not taking responsibility for shooting or do you just not bloody period, right? Like if I'm going to do it, he's like, oh, you're better at it than me. You go ahead. <laughs> That's what he says now. We call that pass the buck. No yeah. pun intended. So yeah. He, yeah, he did teach me how to skin and gut everything. And my mom is a really good skinner as well. And she taught me. But like now I'm taking that over. Do you, do, do you guys think that it's, it would be hard to do, but it's what I remember taking um, Hunter's Ed. I think I took it in 1998, like way after I'd been hunting for a while before, <laughs> cart before the horse. But I always thought that there was a big deficit there mm -hmm. because that the, the idea of processing and breaking an animal, to this day, I'm not comfortable with, I, I skinned my bear the other night. I'm just... I'm not good at it. Like it's a good thing that that hide is not one I wanted to turn into a rug because I'm just not good at it. A deer comfortable with ungulates comfortable with bear. And maybe it's, if you saw my, 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 my handwriting is like that of an infant. So maybe it's, I don't have hand eye coordination. I don't know what it is, but I'm just not comfortable with it. And I think those are important skills because a lot of people it's like, I can go do the, cause that's what I was like, pull the trigger and then look for somebody with experience. Like I would, when I started hunting and, and doing it regularly, I wasn't going out by myself. Number one reason, not comfortable skinning an animal. Wasn't sure how to break the thing down. So who do you, you wait till you can get, oh, that guy, Joe's got lots of experience. Hey, Joe, you want to go hunting this weekend? Perfect. You, I'm going to keep you along because I don't know what I'm doing. So my first experience, like I said, uh, we were, we were up there when I was about eight, we came back to granddad's house and I, I don't really remember the process but I remember it being skinned and standing back and I 
got about a four inch by four inch piece of the hide that uh, is probably somewhere in a box downstairs. But I, I didn't have any experience except grouse. And uh, when I moved up here, probably 12 years ago or so, I'd bought a 410, uh, bought it online and it showed up at my door at about four in the afternoon. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to go look for a grouse. I said, all right, might as well throw the rifle in. Had my tags and uh, drove up uh, Pilot Mountain and I've showed you the spot. Yep. And drove up about 20 some odd K and now oh, there's a grouse on the side of the road. And I jump out all cocky and bang and a grouse just stares at me. And I, another shot, bang, and it says, ha ha, and buggers <laughs> off into the bush. So at this point, I'm pretty ticked off. So I spin the truck around. and Defective 410. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I sent it right <laughs> back. I sent it right back. <laughs> Always the problem. Yeah, absolutely. You've seen me shoot. <laughs> so anyway, I drive down the road five minutes and come to the crossing. And there's a tiny little cut block on the side there. And I look in, there's two moose. And I remember it's September 27th. And uh, I'm like, all right, it's, uh, I don't have an LEH. I barely knew what one is at that time, but I knew I had a moose tag. And I look at it and I go, oh, there's a, uh, uh, a cow and a calf. And I'm just looking for about five, six minutes, which is realistically about two. Uh, but, you know, when you're glassing. When game, you're glassing, yeah. It, yep. it yeah, I know. Like it's hunting time. I get it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's about seven o'clock. So. 11 hours later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's about seven o'clock. <laughs> so the sun's just starting to go down a little bit and they're staring and I'm looking going, this, this calf is a little big. And I'm glassing and glassing and I had the crappy old uh, bushnel that I got from Canadian Tire and uh, the ears fold forward. And I'm like, oh my God, it's got spikes. So out comes the rifle, bang, and uh, it it kicks and then it spins over and it falls. And I go, oh God, yeah. what now? <laughs> yeah. It's the now one. It, it was, a, yeah. oh my God, what now? So I, I walk over to it and uh, it's 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 dead. And I, I cut my tag and I'm now standing in the middle of a block with my truck on the side of the road going, oh damn. Oh, I've got no idea what I'm doing. Uh, they can't, they can't teach you this in the core. Right? No, no, no. And I, I'm on my own. And, uh, luckily a, a truck comes by and I hear, uh, did you just shoot something? Yes, I did. And I, I walk over and well, what'd you get? It's an, it's an older couple. And, uh, I say, I got a spike bull and no, you didn't. Yeah, actually you did. No, no, you didn't. So I said, well, come, come look. And the old guy hobbles over and he's probably 70 some odd at the time. And his, him and his wife come over and they take a look at it. And it's a, you've seen the mount on my wall. It's a, it's a 10 inch spike on each side, like a true spike. And they go, oh my God, we, we've hunted 25 years here and never seen one. How long have you hunted here? I said, <laughs> about 20 minutes. <laughs> Show off. Cause I'm just that good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he goes, well, do you, do you know what you're doing? And I said, no. Well, <laughs> well, it's nice of you to be honest. Yeah. And, he, yeah. and he says, grab a leg. So I reach down, grab my thigh. And he's no, no, of the moose, of the moose. I was literally <laughs> that clueless. So he goes, watch. And he unzips it. And I'm expecting him to say, this is what you do. Continue. No, he unzips it and he reaches in. Well, you got to go up here and you grab the esophagus and you cut. And then you cut down here and he pulls all the guts out. And he goes, do you have a winch? And I said, no. Do you have any rope? No. 
you're not very prepared, are you? I said, I'm literally been here for three months and I, I don't know a damn thing. He goes, well, you cut through here and he, and he quarters it. And he goes, well, the only thing I'm not going to do is blood, pull the bloody thing out for you. You can do that. And I went, okay. <laughs> so I called my brother. Right. <laughs> Kevin. <Yep. laughs> and he comes up and uh, him and I huffed the quarters into the back of my, my, my small pickup at the time and get him back to my house. And I, I skinned him out the next morning, but I, I asked for this guy's address. And I, when it was all processed, I took him over a couple of packs of steaks and a, a, a case of uh, beer and a, a bottle of whiskey. So he was pretty thankful for that. But, uh, that that's my story on skinning. It was because uh, it's daunting. Like you grew up around it, right? So trapping as well. Like, not not trapping. No, not trapping. Nope. Yeah, when my parents were young, they used to trap. Okay. Mm-hmm. So are you fairly comfortable though handling an animal butchering? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I've drug a little two point uh, buck out by myself. I went out before sunrise, opening morning. Went out region six near my hometown, and like. I was only out 20 minutes and I saw this little guy go across the road and I'm like, oh great, he saw me. He's not going to be up there. So I stopped and I got out and walked. Oh, he's just waiting there for me. <laughs> and so I blasted him with my 300, of course. It's a little overkill, but... It's what you have. Yeah. That's it what can I never have. Be too dead. We, we can't, we, they don't let us hunt with golf bags. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 300, 22, 250. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends. Yeah. It's going the way they are. You yeah, never yeah, know. you never exactly. know. But... I ended up pulling him out by myself too. Luckily, he didn't run very far, but I had to pull him out of the bush about 50 yards and it was on an old um, like pipeline road so I could back my truck up. Luckily, there was a little bank there was raised, so it was perfect tailgate height and I just muscled him in. You see, and, and I think there, there'd be good tricks of the trade, learning how to use that, but rope come alongs i mean not everybody can afford a winch right a, a just, clue yeah but even how to like so you get it and then and how to you know do it cleanly mm-hmm. and and break the thing down properly i mean those would all be good skills that's that but those are that's just part of it mm-hmm. the other part of it is just it's knowing you know um I, I i guess there'd be a couple of things making people understand that they first they need to they have to connect with before they get in the field like what's what do you what are you there for mm-hmm. like Going out for meat is, you know, if two points are better. You know, if that's what's legal, then, you know, that's what you shoot, right? But, um, you know, what to shoot, where to shoot it. Who taught you all of that? Like, oh, my dad, your, did your dad, me. yeah. So, was it, is, was it like, look and watch what I do? And then he did it a few times. And then, okay, now, now I've given you that, or it's, it was kind of a collaboration. Like, when we were out, I had my little pair of binoculars and so did he. And, like, I remember when we would go deer hunting around Francois Lake, like it's pretty well known around here for having some big bucks. And when I was younger, we'd always go hiking for like the four point season. And I remember him telling me, he's like, make sure you look too. We have to have a four point. And I remember we would see big bucks in the bush and a lot of the time their antlers were hidden behind branches and you knew they were big because they had a harem with them of does, but we couldn't tell. And he'd be like, you don't shoot unless you're certain a hundred percent and he'd get me to look as well. And I'd be like, I can't tell dad, I can't see how big it is. And he's like, I can't either. So we're going to let him walk. And how does, but that skill set is important. Yeah. A, A to practice restraint. Yeah. Cause I, I wish somebody had put that into me for a long time ago. Yeah, he really instilled that. He's like, you never pull the trigger unless you're a hundred percent certain. He's like, wouldn't you feel terrible if you shot something that wasn't legal and you have to explain that 
yeah to someone like i was i goofed up and i killed this like animal what a waste right or did like, he are, did he talk to you about like things like buck fever and, and what that was he he did yeah he did when and was, what, so what did he do is that what he called <laughs> it? he said just so you know this thing's gonna happen you're gonna act like an idiot and you're gonna get he, all excited he and, didn't explain it that way but he's like he's like you know some guys They'll start shaking when they see a buck. And he's like, he's like, don't do that. <laughs> he's like, you just got to calm down. You know, you just got to watch it for a while. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. What about you, Dustin, in terms of just some of this, this like either field judging animals or um, I know you said there's like, you know, like me, a deficit maybe in the skinning and the processing and maybe it's timeliness, but are there other skills and stuff that you think get uh, there that you, you wish there was a better way for them to get passed down? I, I definitely think that, uh, that again, too, going out in, in groups or going out with a handful of people, that's a good way of kind of sharing, sharing those skill sets yeah. or, or kind of learning from others. Um, having said that, not that I've done a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, those, yeah. so those sorts of things are, again, still, um, I'm, I'm comfortable doing it, but uh, I, I would, uh, you know, I, I guess maybe there's a little bit of self-conscious there knowing that like, if, if I'm out with dad and I'm like, oh, I'll do it this time. And then I'm kind of, you know, taking my sweet time doing it that I know he's kind of standing there like, hey, let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get this done. Yeah, let's yeah, move. Yeah, you know, yeah. right. So, so, so sometimes it's easier to just kind of like, okay, here, you grab it and pull it out and I'll, I'll just watch or I'll hold this leg or something like that. Right. Um, but it would, uh, I, I think it, it's definitely, it's definitely important uh, to, to have kind of those other skill sets and it's neat too, to be able to pass those on, right? Like my, my little ones come out with me now and same thing, like Steve had said, like standing on the wings and pulling the legs with the grouse, like that's something that I don't, I enjoy it, but I don't get to do it anymore because if the kids are with me, then, then yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I almost have to make sure I get two because they're fighting if there's only one to do, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So. I, I, I think part of what I like about hunting with somebody else is it, it, there is a, there's some reciprocity, but there becomes a, it's good to hunt with, I like hunting with people that, that know a lot more than I do, right? I get a lot out of that exchange. Um, it's good to be, you know, some people say, it, you know, so it's, you maybe want to be the guy that's, you know, being the guide, right? Uh, or, or the guy teaching, but I probably get more out of, uh, you know, when there's a, I have the knowledge deficit, there's more, I get a lot more out of that experience and I'm okay not knowing. I used to not be, right? You you know, you bullshit your way through the conversation or you just, and I, I just, I, it serves me better just to admit what I'm not good at because there's lots of things that, <clears throat> so good anecdote for a friend of mine, Nick Traherne, He's a professional photographer in the hunting space. And um, we've been out a few times and he phot- photographs hunts all over the place, you know, and, and, and obviously, you know, professional hunting and, and uh, on, a, on a much grander scale than hunting with old man Willamont, right? But um, when I first met him, I mean, he hunts a lot. And when I first met him, it, this, was, this was telling. It's like, he's got a Jeep, doesn't have a truck. And I'm like, you hunt with that? And he's like, oh yeah like your Aerostar <laughs> and he's like, yeah, just backpack it out, debone it and a couple of Yeti coolers and we're good to go. I'm like, and what do you hunt? He's like, I, I hunt everything. What do you mean? What do I hunt? And you don't have a truck. <laughs> he's like, Nope, <laughs> I don't have a truck. And I was, I, this is when I lived here. And when I first met him, I think in 2016, I'm like, no truck. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Come see me. And, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was just, I, I mean, and I've told him this and we, we go out for our annual bear hunt together. And I was just, I was like, wow, like you just backpack the whole thing out. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just deal with it that way. 
But in Saskatchewan, I am I am from road hunting royalty, man. Like that's, you don't shoot anything unless you can back the truck up to it. It's like, <laughs> but the, so when I moved here, I had to cross this divide to that isn't always, sometimes it's just not possible, right? And I haven't had to really do the backpack thing, but there are some animals that I will tell you flat out that my first couple of years here, I was like, there's, to, there's no way I'm shooting that thing. That is like 700 yards from a road. There's no chance. I don't care what it looks like. <laughs> I am not dealing with that. You get, you come, if he can come to the road, we can make something happen. <laughs> and if he can't come to the road, nothing's going to happen. So uh, the secret for wildlife with me is just stay way away from the road and you'll be fine. So go ahead, Mandy. Yeah, we've gotten pretty creative with uh, getting moose out that are off the road. <laughs> like, oh, go ahead. <laughs> like my first moose, I shot him across a... A small lake, like we had the limited entry that year, and that was the first bull moose that I'd ever shot by myself. I went out on my own, saw an older guy from Fraser Lake, and uh, I was like kind of disappointed because I saw someone else shoot a moose right in front of me, right beside the road. I was like, oh. Was that like, would have been perfect. Yeah, yeah, I was like, good for that guy, but man, that sucks. <laughs> so I saw this other old guy, and he stopped, and uh, I was chatting with him. I'm like, I'm like, man, I saw these other guys shoot a moose, and he's like, don't you worry. You're going to get yours. So I'm like, okay, well, thanks for encouragement. <laughs> thanks. So I went down to this one little spot where I'd actually called a moose in before a couple of days with my mom. Heard him down there thrashing trees and whatnot, grunting at us, cow calling. And there he was on the lake shore. So I get down, kneel down. I have a 270 short mag at this time, and I, sh I shoot him. And I watch him and he just stands there and I, I heard it hit and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and that, so I run down to the shore of the lake and the bastard's in the lake and he's swimming and I'm like, oh God, now what? <laughs> and like, Nobody taught us about amphibian yeah. recovery and <laughs> exactly. hunter safety. <laughs> so I, I was like looking at him. I'm like, nope, don't shoot him. Don't shoot him until he gets out. And so he climbed out, got him again. And then I shot him again because he was still get, st trying to get up. And I was like, oh, my God. So I walk around the lake and finally, like, he's there and he's still alive. And I hit him when we, like, cleaned him, like, all times in the ribs. And he still didn't go down. He's a big old bull. And then, So finally, how long does that take to get out? Oh, God, we had to come back the next day. <laughs> so, Oh, no, that's I just am. the shooting them part. No, yeah. Recovery is a whole other oh, God, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's true, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, we could make a whole podcast out of that. But anyway, I had to call my parents on my sat phone in my truck and be like, hey, look, I shot this moose. <laughs> kind I of could, a good... <laughs> I could really use your help because I couldn't even budge him. I'm looking at him. I'm like, man, these are big. Yeah. Good news, bad news. Good news, we have a yeah. moose. Bad news, I don't know how well you can swim, but uh, <laughs> swim or canoe, right? They came around, so we gutted him that night, and then Dad, with his redneck ingenuity, yep. he thinks up all kinds of things, like with winches and ropes and pulleys <laughs> from being a logger. He's like, man, we're going to take the boat here tomorrow. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, we're going to get the boat and the chainsaw. <laughs> And so we come back early next morning. There's no bear there because that's what he always told me. He said, you watch for a bear if you got to leave anything overnight. So luckily, just whiskey jacks there. But yeah, we quartered that moose, put him in the boat, and we look like Vikings or something. We're rowing across <laughs> with this little Zodiac. <laughs> we just packed him up a little trail, loaded him in the truck in two trips, and 
And dad's like pretty proud of himself. He's like, yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> okay, but just so just imagine if you'd never hunted before, right? And and somebody said, oh, yeah, yeah, just go shoot him in a lake. And then you get a boat and a chainsaw and a block and tackle. And yeah, you're going to do it. Like if you had told me that when I first got into hunting, like, no, <laughs> no, no, offer. it is off the menu. Yeah, there's there's no chance. But I, in living out here, the the terrain. I mean, it's different in Saskatchewan. Not that you can't get into some difficult terrain. My my uh, my my late step, uh, father-in-law, he was like that. Um, you know, into the. It doesn't matter where you shoot it. Just shoot it, and we'll figure out how we get it out afterwards. Right. That, that's you know there was, and there was no no scenario that he couldn't imagine an extraction. Versus me being a you know consummate road hunter for so long and be like oh i can imagine a way that we can <laughs> however if you can shoot it and you can just tip it into the truck like, <laughs> hopefully it dies in the back of yeah the truck. <laughs> so anyway um all right so uh, I, a philosophical question we're going to round the corner here a little bit if someone asked you and i'm and, and you've been asked this question somebody that asked you that doesn't hunt why you hunt what do you tell them why do you, why do you hunt Dustin? Is that to me? Okay. Um, so this is actually uh, a very relevant uh, for me. It, my, my wife, uh, she's from Kelowna. Uh, she didn't grow up hunting or fishing, uh, like very rarely even camping. It was just something that was not kind of part of what, what her family did. Um, so it, it was kind of a completely different world when when we got together this was something we regularly did hunting and fishing and just being outside and that sort of stuff and um so but again too it comes back to kind of where we initially went is that that was uh one to get outside uh did she struggle with this like kyla yeah so so it uh, not uh not a lot like it was it was definitely new it was something completely different for her and kind of trying things and that sort of stuff um for the most part i think there's a i don't think that there's any anything she hasn't tried uh she's not a big fan of grouse um i don't know what it is about grouse but she won't eat grouse uh she's tried it though she's adventurous she'll branch out but um, again, moose, deer, that's regular staple in our house and, and, um, bear sausage and that sort of thing. She's fine with it. Um, it's just something about grouse. Now there's, um, my, uh, my mom's side of the family is a Mennonite background. And when we had just got together, me and my wife, we were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. But anyways, the Mennonite side of my family makes this fruit soup and it's kind of like a plum and and I don't, I don't like it, so I don't know what's in it. But anyways, <laughs> there's, there's plums or Saskatoon. I just know it doesn't taste good. Anyways, so, so, so uh, again, too, I'm not sure exactly what the translation is. But anyways, uh, in, in Mennonite German, the word is mouse. Right. So, uh, mouse like, soup? Mouse, yeah, just mouse. Yum, yum. So, so my, uh, my, my grandma offers Kyla some, some mouse and says, oh, would you like to try some mouse? And Kyla looks at her and says, I'll try deer, I'll try moose, but I draw the line at mouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, 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 no. It's something completely different, right? Um, but uh, but yeah. It, again, it 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 always uh, kind of comes back to the 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 food side aspect of it. Is it's it's that's something that we we go out to to put something in the freezer. Um, so okay. I found it interesting that you had mentioned kind of the taxidermy side of thing because I didn't really actually look. I didn't really think about it all that much until kind of just now. It just kind of hit me that um, I don't know about for yourself, Mandy or Steve, but. Um, like my, my dad doesn't have any 
taxidermy at all. Um, my grandpa didn't, um, they, they trapped when they were younger. That wasn't something that you held on to. That was something right. that you, you, you got traded rid of, you sold yeah. or you traded. Um, and even my mom's side of the family, again, mom didn't hunt, um, her brothers, uh, did and, and still do. But, uh, but again, to no, no taxidermy there, it's not something that you kind of held on to. There's maybe the odd set of antlers, but they're not displayed up on the wall. They're kind of something that were, were bucked off and maybe used for rattling one day or something, or kind of you'd, you dig out of the corner and say, "Oh, I got this moose one year." Sort of. So, thing. do you have something. any? Do you have any taxidermy or hides? Uh, or? No, no, actually, I have a. Again, I have a small pile of antlers on top of a, a shelf in my in my basement storage room. <laughs> I don't have. <laughs> I don't have anything on so the it, walls it, or anything. But, but yeah, but that's cool though. But I mean, it, it, and it's different things for different people. Some mm-hmm. people have a trophy room and some people don't. So, I'd love to. I'm not against it or anything. I'd, no, I, just, I, yeah. I no, and I, I, I think we all. Lots of people shy away from that though. They'll. Uh, you attach the word and then it, it 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 falls into this debate about not even a debate it it becomes this you find yourself defending the the idea of the trophy the, the fetish property right and i think that's it's unfair i mean because the animal had headgear right yeah and you kept it as a as a souvenir and you ate the animal right mm-hmm uh, and you kept the headgear. I mean, why would you castigate somebody for that? Right? Oh, totally. Well, actually, we were just uh, just recently down at my father in law's place, and there was a, he he lives on a little creek, and there's a couple of mallard ducks in his in the creek, not his creek, but the creek. And uh, and anyways, we we're we we're talking, and I said like, man, the fe- the male mallard, like all the different colors and yep. just that green on the head. There's almost a purplish tinge to it. And I was like, if I was duck hunting and I shot that <laughs> thing, why would I not want that? Yeah. Like, why would I, I already, I already shot it. Why would I just kind of rip the feathers off and throw it away? Why not put that out and appreciate it for a much longer time than just kind uh, of the time it was on my dinner plate, right? Absolutely. It's, it's, about, us. Hon- it's about honoring the animal completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, as hunters, we want to utilize as much as we can and minimize the waste, right? And uh, every single uh, animal I've, I've taken that I've kept either a hide or a skull or an antler of, I can, I can relive the hunt in my mind from start to finish from when I first spotted that animal to when it was loaded up to dinners with it. And, and every time I look at it, it's, it's just like taking a picture, but in 3d. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, yeah, if, I if, look, look around, yeah, I feel the same way. And I know a lot of people have a problem with bear hunting, but really I find bears, you can utilize more of that animal than a lot. A lot of the other ones, for sure. Because they have such a nice hide, mm-hmm. they have claws, like people like to keep the skull, like you got the meat, everything. The lard, everything. Yeah, there's yeah. a ton of people that use bear fat, yeah. Yeah, bear fat. Well, you didn't you, are you rending yours down? I haven't rendered it yet, but I have about a 20 pound bag in my freezer ready to off go. Off of a, off a spring bear? Yes, use that fat already. <laughs> See, my my bear was like uh, I don't know what yours was on the hook. Mine wasn't huge. It was 163 and a half uh, pounds on the hook. But what uh, a couple of the other guys that shot bears, uh, Pete Campbell and I were talking about his bear, which is a big bruiser. But neither one of our bears really had any fat at all. Wow. And then I said, like I said, mm-hmm. well, you know, Mandy Mandy got her bear and she's renting it for fat. He goes, renting it for fat. You need a lot of, to rend down. I said, well, she said she's got enough to rend. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It's crazy for a spring bear. Yeah, I don't really know how heavy he was totally because like we chopped off the shank part of the bear and like bone him out and cut the fat off and whatnot before I brought it to the butcher just for like the grind and sausages and she didn't even weigh the ham part but like I know that my hoist 
which is rated for 350 pounds, didn't lift him all the way. Like it lifted him up until the shoulder was clearing the tailgate and it wouldn't go anymore. And I actually have holy crap, that's a wires on my winch. Wow, (laughs) I dig it. Like, yeah, I had to hook on my other winch too and drag him in. See, redneck ingenuity. Yes, not in my wheelhouse. My dad has taught Mandy. You are my new hunting partner, Steve. You're out. So. I got like a mobile unit out there with my truck. It's got everything in it. <laughs> so, okay. So, but for Dustin, so it, for, for Dustin, you would say that if somebody said, why do you hunt? You would, you would largely pivot around the idea that it's, it's about the food. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, there's obviously a, a big adventure aspect of it too. Like a, any day hunting is not a, you know, like you can't have a bad day hunting, I guess it's, you know, no, like, I, I beg okay, to differ. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> but I think you can't guess, have a bad day. Okay. <laughs> you may have a bad day hunting, but you can't have a bad day, like out in the bush sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. You know, truck yeah. and break down and that sort of stuff. But there's, there's a lot of, uh, quote unquote adventure that you can, can soak in, you know, and there's a lot of stuff that you see that maybe you normally wouldn't see and, and just some, you know, the adventure and the, the meat side of it, for sure. What about for you, Mandy? Mm, I would say there's different reasons, but mainly food for me. But I do enjoy that aspect of kind of pushing myself physically and mentally when I'm out there and just getting like fresh air. Yeah, It's like good, basically good for the soul, good for your mental health being out as well. And like, I find that very empowering being like a very small person, a little woman being able to go out. And sometimes I go out with other women and we're bringing home like hundreds of pounds of meat, right? Like that's, yeah, it's pretty cool. feel awesome. Yeah. So when you hunt, do you spend a lot of time, uh, a lot of time on your boots versus in the truck? Uh, when I'm with my parents, it is actually a lot more truck hunting. Like they're, my dad's in his seventies now. He's not yeah. up to hiking. Although he did surprise me last fall and he went on like a 10 K hike with me, like in to our usual, like favorite old hunting grounds. Like that's quite a hike in and out. And he Cause he knows it. that if something happens, you have to take it out. Isn't that yeah, his probably. rule? <laughs> He's like, you, you You're going to have to deal with that now, mate. It for me. <laughs> Steve. It depends on the day. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've always said that, uh, I, the best hunts I've ever had, I've come back with no animal. Right. So it, it's it's about the adventure and getting out and just enjoying what Mother Nature has. Okay, give me give me something that's not a postcard. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> Thanks yeah, for the not posters, Mother <laughs> Nature. There's more to that. I mean, I've I, I've seen your writing. Okay, you can write better than that. No hallmark <laughs> moment. Give me an honest answer to that question. Get. Whatever Mother Nature, yeah, whatever Mother Nature has in store, I get it, yes. Well, Come on. That's what it's about for me, though. It's getting outside uh, and, and just enjoying being outdoors. Um, food is a bonus. It, yeah. it's, it's a very, very welcome bonus, but getting out, like you and I have had some amazing times out there and not even seen an animal. And that, that's what it's about for me, just getting out and enjoying it. Yeah. And, and, I, I, and that's a different kind of a day. I guess it depends. Like... If I jump in the truck with you or, or Mark um, and we go out for the day, my agenda is, is it, is it about shooting something? I'll tell you guys a little anecdote. I, I wrote about this last year. So Steve and Mark Newdorf and I all jump in in the truck and we go, go bear hunting last spring, June. I was thinking, I was the end of May or June. So everybody we could load the truck up. You got the food and the coffee and 
Mark brought uh, for our, it was going to be total road hunting day. We're going out into the McGregor Valley, but it was going to be oh, 100% road hunting. Was right? this the, the chicken McNuggets? Yeah, yeah. Chi- leftover chicken McNuggets and two and and ha- two, two half pizzas yeah. in a box. Yeah. How generous. That, that was food for the day, right? <laughs> anyway, we, we load up in the truck, but we, like Steve gets his, his steep tea with two cream and Mark gets his black coffee and I get my two cream, one sugar. And we're zipping down the Beaver Forestry Road. For those of you listening that aren't from Prince George, we are, we're like 16 minutes into our hunt and we see a bear on the road about 800 yards away and we're all like awesome so you can feel the excitement it's like okay this is what we came for there's a bear and then we glass the bear and the bear keeps walking and we creep the truck up and that's a pretty good bear and we're all all in agreement everybody puts their feel yeah we're all in agreement so everybody had tags and a rifle as well everybody had tags everybody had a rifle so we're we're armed this is the whole point of the day so now we get within 100 yards and now we're all categorical that is a real shooter bear. And it's like, yep. And we all got a cup full of hot beverage. We're in the middle of a great conversation. And we watch the bear walk down a side road. And then we creep the truck up. And then we stop the truck. And then everybody gets out. And it's like, that's a real good bear. Yep. And then we watch the bear walk away. And then, and then as soon as the bear walks away, Newdorf looks at Steve and says, one of us probably should have shot that bear. <laughs> And then 10 minutes later, we go around the corner. We run into another huge dry sow, big old sow that's on a piece of private property we get to hunt on. And same thing. We stalk the bear. We watch the bear. And the whole time we're watching the bear, all I'm thinking is, man, the day just got started. Like, we just got here. And, and the, the point when I, I guess the point is, is that sometimes you get in the, you get in the vehicle or you get your pack on. And the hunting, the hunting is the, is the pursuit, right? It, the pulling the trigger part sometimes gets in the way of it. And what you want is the time in the field. And we, we had bears a couple of more times throughout the day. There was no interest in us doing anything other than spending time together, That's having right. a, having a cup of coffee, the, the shitty <laughs> McNuggets and cold pizza. <laughs> we went out, you know, we got, we went through some crazy off-roading and, and had a great day, beautiful day and spent an entire day, sun up to sun down. And that was, that's a hunting day. I mean, the excuse is, you're out there hunting. And right? that's exactly my point, right? It's, yeah. it's not always about the kill. It's, th- it's about so much more than that. And that's why I do it. Yeah, I think that that's one thing I can probably jump on board too if I can add add something to my, uh, my answer there is that I find myself now going out with my kids, uh, nine and six, I, I stopped the pickup for sometimes what I look back on and being like, man, that was a ridiculous stop. But like you see, you see like <laughs> yep. a garter snake on the side of the road yep. and I'm like, kids unbuckle, let's go. And they're like, Oh, what did he see? What did he see? And I'm like, come look at this snake in the ditch. Yep. <laughs> you know? and, and, and of course they're still excited. Right. Yep. Like, and it's, it's neat, but I, I find myself stopping for things that, uh, that, you know, if I was by myself, I wouldn't, I don't really care that much about a snake, but yeah, it's yeah, exciting would. for them. Yeah, I probably <laughs> you would. Yeah, you probably would. play with the snake. But, uh, but yeah, but it's, uh, it's something else that, that uh, you know, there's an education aspect of it mm-hmm. for them to be able to get them to appreciate, you know, uh, Steve's rainbow moment there with nature and, and Hallmark and all that other fun stuff. But, uh, but, there's, 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 uh, it's, it's something completely different that that's is, right. that is in that hunting package. But isn't that, that what's, fu- outside, but right? that's what that they're fueling you though. Right. Oh, totally. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like you want them to see the world the way that you see it. I, my son growing up is the worst hunting partner when he's 12, you know, wants to hunt a deer, but my son get, would get in the vehicle and within five minutes, He'd be like, wake me up if we see something, right? <laughs> right. He's just, he wasn't, he wasn't wired the same way that I was. And, and it, 
I really wanted him to embrace hunting the way that I did. And he, he, he didn't, I mean, he shot a couple of deer and then he kind of packed it away. It just mm-hmm. wasn't a thing for him. He's come back to it later on. Um, he's starting to hunt. My brother started hunting. Uh, Johnny started hunting maybe five years ago. Maybe again. on the high end. Yeah. And uh, he started hunting and he, him and my son are starting to hunt together now. And my son's starting to connect more with it. But I think the thing that fuels you though, is that's, I mean, when you have, like, we took, you took uh, Steve's daughter, Kaylee, out last year bear hunting for a day. Mm-hmm. But it's, you want the, it's cool when they see the world with the same excitement. Because now, I, I'm going to, I'm I'm reading into this, but let me assume something. If you stop for a garter snake and tell me, Mandy, Steve, everybody, my wife gets so tired of me. We drive anywhere on any holiday. And if it's a deer or a beaver or anything to do with wildlife, she's like, yes, I know. It's another deer. Congratulate. Oh, yay. Yes, another one. Let's stop and watch the thing walk. Like, it's July. There's no hunting season, Dawn. Like, give it up. Like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, no, look, it's another deer. It's an elk. And she's like, yeah, yeah, there was a hundred of them. Congratulations. Can we get this holiday on, right? You stop for everything? Uh, I, I, if we're on the highway, I won't stop, but it's definitely, I, I, I usually there's get a, a point. A, yeah. a, <laughs> there's a brake check. A, a, yeah. There's, there's a, there's a smack across the, you know, over to the steering wheel when I'm crossing the wrong line sort of thing, staring at it. Right? But yeah, same, same, yeah. same. Yeah. But I, I think that's the part that we, we like is it's, uh, it's no different than get a couple of the hunters with their, you know, that are diehards. They'll grab their phone and they want to flip through you know, all the same sunsets and the, mm-hmm. the, the trees. And this is the one that we saw and you got to get it on video. You resonate with people that see the world the way that you do. It's fun to be with young people though, where they're not interested in, is, to them, they're all big, right? They're just wild animals. I think it, it's the part I loved when Keaton was really into it. My son um, is when they, they get excited with everything that's in there because it, it, it jacks you up. Oh yeah, exactly. Totally. If yeah. I go out on my own, I'm hunting for a different reason than if I'm hunting with you. Or if I take Kaylee out, it's a different reason altogether. So yeah, yeah, for you, sure. You've seen what it's like hunting with her. Everything yeah. is as Dustin says. Oh, look at the snake in the ditch. It's it's a world through a, a seven year old's eyes, and we're we're kind of almost vicariously living through the other person when you're hunting with them. It's 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 a whole different set of experiences. Yeah, it's just to watch people hold on to the world mm-hmm. in 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 a there's a there's a great innocence about it. Absolutely. Um, but I think that's part of. I, I think it's the in not, not the, it's the innocence of the landscape. There's a really cool um, quote that I often think about when I go hunting, and it's from uh, Norman McLean's book "A River Runs Through It," and he's talking about the he says the Montana of my youth is a world with dew still on it, mm-hmm. and you know I I think I'll, I I always think about that quote when I when I go out probably that and how this this new one about you know uh, how you leave the ripples in the in the forest, but. I think that's the part that we're all out there looking at, whether you're in the truck or you're in your boots or you're with your kids, it's that the world feels untouched for a moment, even if you're on a forestry road, right? (laughs) But for a moment, it feels untouched and you feel like you're in that. I think that's the thing for me that, that hunting gets me into. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, there's a moment, whether there's wildlife or there's just, uh, you know, uh, just a beautiful piece of scenery, right? Mm -hmm. That, That nobody else is seeing. Um, you know, there's those moments, those sun, like, I, I don't know about you guys. I have yet to get on my phone, a sunrise or a sunset that 
that is as accurate as how I feel it, it, when I'm watching it. Never it. is. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's not. It no. never is. We've stopped how many times in the morning? It's like, all right, stop, get to stretch your legs, take a leak, and oh, look at the sunset. And we're we're there for half an hour just as the the sun kind of peaks, and not a word is said. Yep. It's oh, we're here to to hunt. Oh, well, we should probably get back in. Yeah. But one more one more picture. One more picture. Have you seen this? This is unreal. And nobody, unless you're out there, you, you, you don't quite get it. But here's the only thing I think that can be, that's a little unfair, is I, I have lots of friends that don't hunt that, that like the backcountry. They get the same experience. Um, and I think sometimes hunters forget that there's other people that use the back the backcountry spaces or the outdoor spaces. They see the world the same way. Um, but what I think is fair is that we're not just out there to pull the trigger. That's, that's what know? I mean, yeah. right? And it, it's not, hunting isn't just about whether, um, it, it probably goes to that quote, right? You... You know, you don't you don't hunt to have killed you you killed to have hunted. Hunt, mm. the, hunting is always the pursuit, That's but right. it's sometimes the pursuit of animals. Sometimes it's the pursuit of just a great day. That's right. Like the 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 article that I wrote, uh, um, which was talking about my whole Bon Jovi reference, um, that whole "this left feels right." Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun to go out and not know what, not know how the day's going to unfold. I, I mean, I was I'm happy to go out with the potential to to pull the trigger on something and never touch the gun ever. Mm-hmm. And just listen to music and eat sunflower seeds and drive around and get out every three hours, grab a pack, go for an hour hike, come back with no intention of ever pulling the trigger. Honest, honest, a legitimate, if I saw it, unless, unless, unless <laughs> if it's it was, close to the road, unless it's ex- close <laughs> to the road, there's no chance I'm going to interrupt this, this, this adventure, mm-hmm. you know, to hunt, to, to legitimately hunt. That's the right. hunting is the excuse to be out there. That's exactly So I it. think that's fair. Um, does anybody have anything else that they want to say about if somebody asks them, why they hunt what would they say anybody else want to fill in color that for 6.99 i will do cards <laughs> um we steve and i've talked about this a lot we've implied it a little bit hunting is a not for everybody but hunting is an is is a an evolution for a lot of people where you start like where you come in where you intersect with hunting and and where you end up over time are different you know, and some people say it's, you know, like Mandy, your, your dad, you know, like he'll probably be in the truck a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also notice as I get older, and I don't know if it's an age thing, you know, I'm 53 now, um, I will be, but I'm, there are some things I've, I'm putting down. Like uh, for me, um, I've rounded a corner on, on predator hunting, right? I'm just, it's just not a thing for me. It just, it won't be, you know, I mean, it would be from a management standpoint, but it's not going to be something that's going to be part of my regular vocabulary. I, I, I don't admonish people. I don't judge people for doing it. I think it's got its place. It's just not, I don't click with it anymore unless I can eat it. Right. So there's an evolution for me, but I wasn't there even there two years ago. I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, has there been an evolution for any of you guys in, in how you, and gals, <laughs> uh, are, is there an evolution in, in how you see the world of hunting from where you started to where you're at right now? Like where you, where it's palpable or, or you could say I'm definitely different now than I was then. I'd say I'm a lot more selective now, like with bears and whatnot, I'm more looking for a big one yep. or a color that I want, like color face bears. Right. And Okay, so also, okay, so now you—that's a now thing. Yeah. And how long ago would you have gone? Is like it's a bear. Like probably ten years when I first started hunting them, I was like, "Oh, there's one!" Right. The Steve's line: yeah. if it's brown, it's down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it's black, it gets whacked. That's the thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Also, I think I'm I'm like more wanting to challenge myself with a hunting. Like I picked up my bow again, which I had put down for years because I've had like shoulder issues and just wasn't strong enough. But now I'm actually getting there. So I'm hopefully going to be taking that out as well this fall, challenge myself a bit there. And I would really like to do mountain hunt at some point just to like push myself the physical aspect yeah, yeah. and the mental aspect. Yeah, I, I I think that's part of it for sure. There's an evolution because I, I found that um, archery is something I put away and I like the idea of it and the application just, I gave myself a million excuses why it, it wasn't convenient. I think archery takes a lot of work. It's harder to stock. You, know, you have to put, I think you have to put more time into shooting. A lot more practice. Right, there's sure. a lot more variables. Um, you know, um, it's very efficient when it happens. Um, and I just don't, I think for me, I just wasn't committed to archery and I think it's challenging, but you, it's the word, that's the word you use those challenge. These there's restrictions, um, restrictions that come with these evolutions that we, there's sometimes they're self-imposed, right. Or we seek out, um, the experience, um, contextualized differently. Sometimes it's archery hunting, right. Sometimes it's, you know, we want a bigger challenge. The mountain hunt is, I mean, you want to talk about the law of diminishing returns. I mean, $3,000 for a flight, you know, zillions of dollars on equipment, fly someplace and live in a drainage for 10 days and have a good chance of not even seeing anything. That's a whole level of commitment. And there's a lot of mental anguish that goes with it. Um, and I think that's an evolution, right? I, I mean, God bless the person that their very first hunt is a sheep hunt and they're addicted. Like, I mean, if their very first introduction to hunting is that and you love it, congratulations. But I don't think it's for me that there's no way that would have been a, that's a hard no. We're, <laughs> we're out. We're not doing the hunting thing. What about for you, Dustin? Uh, so I, I find that uh, I'm a lot more, you know, I, I was, I was very comfortable, same sort of thing. Like you'd mentioned kind of comfortable road hunting. Um, if I can see it, then I'll go after it sort of thing. Um, I'm more comfortable now hiking. I think that's something that it was just very comforting to get out of the vehicle and actually be walking around in nature a little bit. And I find too, that I see more things, uh, maybe not more things, but I see, uh, closer and I interact more with, uh, with nature, I guess, when I am out of the vehicle rather than kind of just having my music going and, and driving along and you see something and you shut the music off right off the bat sort of thing. Yeah. When you're, when you're out walking, you know, <laughs> I've come around a corner and and had, you know, a, a doe and two fawns, like less than 50 yards away sort of thing, just kind of hopping down the trail and you just stop and freeze and, and they stop and freeze and look at you. And it's, you don't get that same sort of connection, I guess, when you're in the vehicle. Yeah. Um, I also find that, uh, you know, the last few years we've, we have started to put in for the odd goat hunt. I haven't been brave enough to go for sheep yet, but we, uh, we put in for a goat hunt, um, same thing. We spent all morning getting up the mountain. We got up the mountain. Uh, you know, we tripped over some wasp hives and uh, there were some tears shed between me and my <laughs> wife and my dad. And my dad kicked our ass all the way up there. And we get up there and same thing. We enjoy the view. We took a hundred pictures and we turned around, we came back down. And the next day we, uh, well, the next two days, I think we fished instead. And then we went home. <laughs> great goat hunt. Yep. <laughs> great goat hunt. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, we still brought a rifle in the boat and we we're looking and, you know, pretending we were looking up the mountain for a goat, but we were, we were fishing. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I guess I find myself, um, getting out of the vehicle a little bit more and, uh, and whatnot, you know, when they, when the kids are with me, it's, it's the, the hikes are a 
a little they have a little bit less of a point to them yeah. <laughs> you know because yep. there's a few more sticks broken a few more rocks kicked and that sort of thing but uh but it's still it, it's still enjoyable to just so kind of get it, out and go for the walk so that that's an evolution for you like spending more time i mean if you took the kids out of the picture and i know that's not always easy but um just for you personally um you would see that evolution is there's more time spent sort of just enjoying soaking in the experience a little bit i think so yeah and and the the per like the pursuit of it i guess too as well that like i i uh like for moose for example moose hunting was always something that you either you either hiked in or you drove in the truck um calling wasn't really something we ever did and so i'd kind of watch some youtube and yeah bought a couple videos and that sort of stuff and now moose moose calling is something that i find just it i find just fascinating uh tag or not I, I like to go out and call moose and see if something answers and watch like it's it's just amazing to be able to call and see this big brute of an animal kind of come running through a cut block towards you yep. you know and then when it clues in that you're not what it's actually looking for away it goes right and uh you know the 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 um kind of your your best day hunting i'll, I'll get into that later on but um but yeah that's it it's really is really is really cool and to be able to kind of connect with an animal on that level i guess a hundred percent and yeah you, you couldn't have said it better <laughs> yeah the and I, see i didn't hunt moose and i when i came here i've, I've done i i met friends of ours have a, a big moose camp on the fraser river that i spent two or three years at with hardcore moose hunters and it's not a thing my my father-in-law was into it it's just not a thing i was ever into but watching people call moose and then watching them come and mm-hmm it's kind of mind-blowing to me that was intense yeah yeah yeah. it's still not part of my repertoire steve's good at it um i'm not so that's probably why um i don't really sound like a moose i mostly sound like a guy does here's my moose call yo (laughs) (laughs) yo (laughs) here moosey 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 yeah so anyway but yeah I, i i dig it uh steve it's a tough one uh i when i first got into it i would I'd, I'd uh, drive down the road and I'd stop for every grouse and take a shot at every rabbit. And it, then it just got to, to, to more of a, a, a just being out. Uh, free, uh, filling the freezer is amazing. Uh, I'm more selective when it comes to bears now because, well, if I'm going to gut and skin, I want to make uh, the, the reward yeah. <laughs> worth it. Worth it, yeah. I, I want to put uh, something substantial in the freezer. But I'll I'll kind of go where Dustin was going when it comes to calling the animals instead of uh, spot and stock. Now, uh, as you know, I I enjoy calling the predators yep. and trying to get in their mindset and get in their backyard and, for lack of a better term, talk to them. Yep. And and uh, when you call them out, it's a wow, that's great. As, as you know, when we've done our lynx hunts, we yep. we've. Uh, let some walk just to enjoy the experience of, well, Hey, you, you understood what I was saying on some level. I have no idea what I was saying to you, but we've, we've connected. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I guess it's uh, that that's what it is for me now where I'm at. It's um, I think for everybody, I, I just, there's always an evolution in, in anything that we do as a pursuit, but I, I just found that um, the, the reasons that I would have hunted before um they felt more like conquest, right? Like I was almost like a box checking exercise mm-hmm. and I was fixated in my, in my white, and I was a whitetail hunter in Saskatchewan. That's all I really hunted. I did a little bit of coyote hunting, but I was, I'm talking fixated on just getting something. And I mean, I would, I, I would say things like, I just got to kill something. Right. And I mean, it was all of the, 
I, I, I was I was obsessed with getting the the task complete, right? I wasn't I don't know that I was getting the same thing out of it. I would put miles on and I'd get out of the truck and I'd you know I'd walk wood lots and I'd you know I did all of that stuff. I did the tree stands and I, I the ground lines and I did all of the things that you're supposed to do. But what what I realized where hunting started to change for me, um, after my my father-in-law passed away, I, I started hunting. Um, I, I hunted with a couple of coworkers and it was good to have good hunting partners. And then I started to spend more time with, you know, doing the kind of the road hunting thing, um, which was good. Um, having other people that, that were, I guess, like-minded. So we were all obsessed with, you know, trying to get the thing. I think we were all, I, I, it was, it was, it became different when there was two people in the truck, uh, thinking the exact same thing, but there was all this conversation that started to happen. And as a road hunter, now I wasn't doing it by myself. I was, I was, you know, with these other like-minded people, all very task oriented, but you had this other, this, this camaraderie and stuff. So it started to change. But what really, where the, where the f- switch really uh, flipped for me was moving here and spending, and, and I became a very private person. Um, you know, I hunt with, you know, Steve and Mark and some other guys once in a while, but I spent most of my time by myself. And I started to do what you said, Mandy. I started to challenge myself. The other thing that happened is when we moved here, uh, I shot my first bear in 2015. And I had no, I mean, I didn't know that it was even an edible thing, right? My father-in-law would hunt them in Saskatchewan, but we there was no eating bears. It wasn't a part of it. So Mark Newdorf was like, well, what do you mean? Like, wh- what should I do with it? You're going to eat it. And I'm like, what? And he's like, well, of course you're going to eat it. What the hell do you mean? What are you going to do with the bear? Like, what do you do with it? You butcher it, you idiot. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I turned it into, took it to Honeyford's Meats here in, in PG and turned it into some wonderful food. And then my wife had it and she's like, yeah, you know what? This can be on the menu all the time. And we're not going to do like we did back in Saskatchewan where you went and you became obsessive about shooting a deer and then you turned it into $300 of sausage that you gave away to mechanics. She said, we're actually going to try to eat this stuff. And, and my wife kind of put that in my head that, you know, you're here, it's, it seems to be a big part of this community, you know, if that's part of the philosophy, maybe you should wrap your arms around that a little bit. So the food became part of it. Um, but, you know, the experience um, has been, I've challenged myself to become more involved with, uh, you know, the hunting community, right? So we have the pages in the podcast and involvement with Spruce City and, and put something into it. And I think those, it was being involved with Spruce City and actually being involved in the community, um, you know, as an advocate, that started to change how I saw it. Because now what you're forced to do, um, if you want to, you have to confront the truth about yourself a little bit. And I had to take a look at all of those years of me hunting and go, you know what? Those are not aspirational values. If I was to tell my son, now I want to get you into hunting, I cannot hold my record book up and say, you know, your dad, this is how your dad has hunted all of his life. Because I'm not really proud of that. And I said, if, I, if I'm going to continue to do this, I have to do this differently, which forced me to evolve. And then you start to do, you know, I started reading a lot and, and absorbing a lot and seeking uh, out a different philosophy. And that's why people resonate with guys like Steve Ranella, right? There's a reason that that becomes popular. You know, that, there's a reason that's attached itself to the zeitgeist because what he's talking about is hunting for sustenance. And when I first saw his program, it was Steve, Steve that told me, hey, listen, if you heard of Steve Rennell, I'm like, I've heard of him, but I've never watched the show. He said, you should watch it. I watch it and I'm like, where's the kill shot? 
like where where's the kill shot what would it it's a cooking show like that's what i said to him. steve got me to watch this thing it's basically a cooking show <laughs> and but my wife's like yeah but it's a good show and my wife liked it and i and it was people like that that started to make me go okay if if i if there's if there's aspirational values in hunting it needs to look more like that and it needs to look way less like what i had been most of my hunting career and i and i'm super thankful for for the experience i mean so if you want to know why you join a hunting and fishing club, folks, it's because you get this wonderful epiphany <laughs> if you give yourself over to it. So anyway, that's my own personal journey. Um, question on what does it mean to be an ethical hunter? What's it mean to be an ethical hunter? I don't care who answers. Doing doing the right thing when nobody's watching. Yes, that's, yep. a, that's a good Jim Posowitz answer. Yep. Yeah, I'll second that. Second that. Yeah, definitely. And it's like how my dad taught me, make sure that you look and you make sure that you're sure of your target, that it's legal, what you're shooting. And if you do make a bad shot, make sure you put every effort into looking for that animal. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you, you owe the animal more more than it owes you. So yep. I think that's it. That's it's It would, uh, you know, I guess to rather not make the shot than to make a bad shot or to make a shot that you wish you hadn't made. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, when exactly. it comes to, you know, an animal suffering or, or something like that, um, you know. So we, so ethics then comes down to how we dispatch the animal, not how we engage the animal. Is it? I wouldn't say that necessarily. I think it involves you being like a good steward when you're out there too. Like we, there's this negative image of like the like beer and truck hunters, right? Like littering and whatnot. Make sure you're a good steward and <laughs> make sure that you're being conscientious of how you're behaving out there as well towards mm -hmm. the wildlife and towards other backcountry users as well. Like hikers and whatnot. Like don't, don't be an ass when you're out there. Don't litter. Don't be loud. Like let them have their space too. There's so much more to hunting than the animals we've discussed. It's, yeah. it's about the landscape and how it gives to us and we give to it. And you just, you just need to do the right thing. As I said, it's for the landscape, for yourself and for the animal and the, the, the entire experience. And to, to, to kind of encourage and, and prove that, you know, um, kind of practice what you preach, I guess that, uh, you know, we often say like, well, uh, hunting is conservation. Well, hunting can be conservation. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's another so thing if, I had here. If, if you're kind of if you're driving down the back road and throwing your beer cans out the window and leaving your plastic shotgun shells all over the place, well, is that conservation? <laughs> I, I, I think that's a. And we might as well add that into this discussion. Mm -hmm. We attach that word um, because we buy. Uh, not we. That's unfair. There are people that will say hunters are conservationists. One does not equal the other. They are not attached at the hip, right? Mm -hmm. Because you bought your tag and because you're part of the hunting community doesn't make you a conservationist, right? Um, and I, I think too often, I, I think people think that they're, that they, that they're, they come as a package deal. I'm a hunter, which means I'm a conservationist. No, it's not. Because you, you, ha you, you choose to go and shoot an animal has got nothing to do necessarily with conservation. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, uh, it supports a, a management it's you're certainly it supports a cause it, well it supports the management of a, a particular right. population mm -hmm. but it doesn't make you necessarily a conservationist right i i i think that distinct because i was very guilty of of that attachment um but i think you need to be involved you need to be aware you need to advocate there's more to conservation you need than to just, give more than you take 
for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, we had in our last podcast, we were talking about the impact of forestry, but I think that there's, there needs to be a mindset there. uh, Hunting should be, there's, um, we talk about extraction, like, because we call them resources, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you're managing a resource, whether it's salmon or trout or bears or elk. Um, we, we're extracting, we're consumptive users on the landscape. But to be a conservationist, you can't be, it just, it, it's not about extraction, it's about exchange. So for everything that I take, I have to put something back, right? So I got to clean it to green it. That's our big buzzword here at Spruce City and our, and our, clean, and our backcountry cleanups. That's why we do that. Um, it's uh, making sure that, you know, like you said, um, there's a reason that you want to select for a, a more mature bear, right? You know, the, the three-year-old bear's got lots of time, right? Uh, the four-year-old bear's got lots of time. Trying to sh- avoid sh- even a dry sow, if you know it's a sow. Um, you know, maybe she, she could be between cycles. I mean, she, she could still breed, right? A young boar still has a lot of chance to get, uh, if we're talking about bear hunting, I guess, would have lots of time to put its genetics back in there. I mean, that's part of being an ethical hunter, right? Not just shooting everything for the sake of shooting everything, but there's there's more to ethics and there's more to conservation than just because you're a hunter. Those things are, because you're a hunter doesn't make you ethical mm-hmm. uh, and because you're a hunter doesn't make you a conservationist. That's right. You have to earn those things, right? In your activities. Um, what's the thing that you struggle with the most as a hunter? For me, that's that's the kill itself it's it's not easy to take the life of an animal uh it's it, it's an ongoing process and it's never I, i've never evolved from the first grouse or rabbit that i've taken to the last bear every single time i pull that trigger it it uh it hits me that i have just taken a life uh but i uh, i'm always thankful for the animal that uh, gave its life for me to to provide for me and to sustain me and my family and uh it's it, it's an ongoing struggle it's i don't assume it will ever get easier i'm always uh you've seen me do it i walk up and i thank the animal every single time and uh, i take a moment to before i get a tag out or a knife it's just to have that one last connection to to become one one last time with it so I, I don't know what anybody else feels about that but that's what it is for me that's an easy one to say that pulling the trigger is not easy to take a life anyone else i don't i actually don't struggle with that that part of it i i i, I think I, I i see that part differently but i i get it and i know lots of people that are like that um people i, I think, other people i haven't with go i think i can totally understand that um i, I don't i don't um I definitely am, am appreciative and same sort of thing that I, I kind of go up and you kind of pet and appreciate the animal sort of thing. Take a, take a good look at it before you cut the tag right away. Um, I think going back to, again, referencing my wife, sorry, Kyla, um, but, uh, <laughs> but um, is to say kind of when, so once we got together and she decided, okay, she wanted her hunting license, she got her hunting license, she got a doe tag. And that first doe that she took, um, you know, when she got up to the deer, uh, one shot, boom, the thing dropped. Perfect. Uh, everything played out as good as it could have. And when she got up to that animal, she's in tears. And it kind of threw me off that I was, I, I didn't really understand what was going on. Right. Um, but again, too, that was something that was completely different for her. She felt differently, you know, mm. um, it was, it was just a very emotional experience to where, um, again, if, if you're, if you're brought up in it, I guess you're, 
maybe more so conditioned to it to where by time you've you know by time you're actually in your teens and that sort of thing and if you walked and you've walked up on your 20th dead animal it's 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 a it's different you're kind of you're kind yep. of used to it right yep, yep for sure um yeah. so yeah so i i totally i i can totally understand that and and again too that that appreciation is there um i think kind of what i what i struggle with most as a hunter is is kind of that same uh, that perception though that hunters are kind of painted with that brush of mm-hmm. kind of the the wild reckless backcountry killers sort of thing you know yeah. um yeah. and, and they're indiscriminate and, and, and yeah. yeah and and that's something that um unfortunately i think in in one way hunters can kind of be their own enemies at times that uh that we have that we have those you know the road hunters versus the bow hunters versus the the lower mainland hunters versus you know we're all on the same team at the end of the day but all it takes is for somebody to make one facebook post or something like that and all of a sudden it all explodes or there's some sort of controversy in the hunting world with with uh wildlife management and and all of a sudden everybody kind of rolls up their sleeves and bears their teeth and away we go it doesn't matter who's who we're we're all out to get each other right so it's i think that's that's my biggest uh struggle is is how do we actually get everybody around a table like this how do we actually get them to say look let's agree on a half dozen things and just move forward on those whether you have your opinion on this that or the other thing let's focus on a couple really good things that we can all agree on um hunter or not something that is good for wildlife something that is good for the ecosystem and just push that forward as an agenda Okay, (laughs) Mandy? Uh, I find some of the things that I struggle with is like trying to be taken seriously as a woman. And like, I look like a little kid sometimes out there (laughs) with my pigtails, which I have right now. (laughs) It's like people are like, you actually hunt and you actually kill things. I'm like, yeah, I do actually. And I cook it too. (laughs) So... If you, were, if, you, if you were, if you, if you were, if you were like five foot two and a guy, do you think that they would ask the same thing? No, I don't think so. I really don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you're wrong. I've, I've never been asked and I'm barely over five foot two. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, I, I think that, that that's fair ball. Now, uh, here's the teaser. Uh, <laughs> Mandy and Brandy are going to actually, we're going to wade into that in uh, episode eight. Uh, we're going to talk about the. Uh, the the feminine per, the the feminine perspective, but also um, how how it is to be a, uh, a female hunter um, in a in, where they represent really ten percent of our population uh, of, of total hunters, um, but it's the only one that's actually legitimately growing is the amount of women in the space. So we're going to be covering that in a future episode. So how do you? Because we have a whole podcast coming on it, but mm-hmm. how do you? So what do you? when you know that people are are talking to you that way and that you're being either you know shoved aside or perhaps uh disrespected what do you say to that oh usually if they're like do you actually kill anything i i'll whip my phone and oh. be like oh look at this <laughs> and yeah. i'll like go through all my ending pictures and i'll be like oh i see you do but yes correct like, them yeah but like yeah i've actually like me and my mom have been laughed at before when we've been going out hunting in my truck, like dressed in our camo, filling up. Seriously? Yes, two older gents. Mind you, this is a while ago, and I admit things have gotten a lot better, but like we were filling up my truck and we were getting ready to go out moose hunting, me and my mom, and they kind of smirking at us at the gas pumps, and they're like, did you girls even see anything? I think that's what they said. 
And my mom pipes up and she's like, well, actually, we shot two deer in two days and we did. We got a buck in region six and a buck in region seven, <laughs> like day after day. And they, they shut right up and they just looked at us and we pulled out of the gas station. We're like laughing and I was like, you shut them up, didn't you? <laughs> so we're going to be exploring how to shut people up. Uh, that's right. That's awesome. Um, I, so I, I would think that, and I get what you're saying, what, what Steve's saying, and I, I'm kind of, I don't struggle with killing the animal the same way. I mean, I, 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 I there's a, there's a moment of, there's a moment of you can't take it back. Yeah. Right. right? And uh, here's where it bothers me. I mean, I, I had a terrible, uh, my first mule deer hunt um, was last year. I wounded one and couldn't recover it. And then two and a half hours later, we saw it like, you know, running and it was fine. Uh, but it was, you know, kilometer and a bit away and we couldn't get to it. So that was terrible. That moment where I, you know, it's elation. And then it's like, you know, the guy that I was with, my buddy, Joey, um, he's like, what the hell? He said like that, it didn't go down. It went down and got up and it vanished. In that time, it was terrible. So then I make a return trip and I think it was a week or I can't remember. It was a week or two, two weeks later. And I'd gone for a hike up into, uh, I was down in the Williams Lake area and I'd gone a hike up into one of the canyons in that park along Meldrum Creek. So I'd gone up into the canyon. And at one point, as I got up the, the, the uh, sling, the, uh, the sling lug let go on my rifle. So the, the rifle, the top sling lug let go. So the rifle fell backwards. I caught it and it banged the scope. But I mean, Steve's hunted with me. Um, you know, you watch me bang that rifle around. I mean, it's taken way worse, um, way worse. I, I've fallen on it and I tobogganed down it once um, <laughs> when I was out <laughs> snowshoeing. I mean, the gun was abused a little bit. Um, anyway, and nothing had happened. So I, I leave that area, I go into a different spot. I'm driving along a, a trail, uh, going into a spot, spot where I want to hunt. And um, this little fork horn goes across. It's any buck season. I get out. It's like 120 yards away. Um, I go to shoot. And the only shot was, uh, was a, I mean, the only shot that I had uh, was, a, was a head shot. So I waited and waited and waited. And then it kind of quarters, it quarters, um, it, it's quartering away from me. And it's a hard quarter, but I go to shoot. And I pull the trigger and it ends up, the bullet impacts the, the deer in the jaw. And it, it, it instantly started flipping. And I mean, I, like the, my stomach just completely fell out. I was just sick, sick, sick. Thankfully, the truck was right beside me. I had a different rifle. I jumped uh, across the berm, grabbed a different rifle. I didn't bother a second shot because something was way wrong. And I shot the animal and that was that. But in that two minutes, I'm telling you, it's the worst I've ever felt. Um, and you know, I had a, I had this bear thing that happened. Uh, you, I wounded a bear, uh, couldn't get away. I sound like a great hunter. Um, but I, I shoot a, I shoot a bear in a, in a bad deal. A bear busts me right when I'm pulling the trigger. You make a, what you think is going to be a good shot. Um, I spend, you know, two, well, the rest of a day and a, a grizzly bear encounter that did almost went bad. And, but it's, those are the things that, that really come back to, to haunt me. And those are the things that I struggle with is you can prepare and prepare and prepare. And sometimes even you can make a well-placed shot, 
that happened with Steve and I uh, two years ago, whitetail hunting. Steve made a great shot on a, on a deer and a deer just, it would not die. And it, and we eventually ran out of blood and it was, I don't know, two and a half hours and in just nasty, nasty, nasty stuff. And it's the worst of the worst circumstances that happens, right? That's the part of hunting I struggle with is, you know, you, we, we respect the animal and to your, to your point, Steve, um, we want to dispatch them quickly, mm-hmm. right? And you go to the range and you practice and I'm fairly, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm, I'm a competent shot. I'm comfortable with how I shoot. Um, I put some time into it. I, I have good equipment. And then when it goes wrong and the animal, when you watch the animal, even for a minute or two suffer it, or you can't recover it, it's the, that's the worst part of hunting for me. And any of my worst hunting days will have something to do with that. Always, always, always. They've got nothing to do with me. They've got everything to do with when you can't recover an animal. So anyway, that's what I struggle with. Um, anybody have a worst hunting day or a best hunting day? Worst hunting day is just like you described. Uh, I shot and not recovered bears, uh, not for lack of trying. Uh, bear was actually monkey on my back for, for, for years and... Mike Zalewski will attest to that. Him and I used to hunt together quite a bit. And uh, the, the, the best day for me was actually we were in a uh, an elk camp, Mike and I and his uh, son Tanner, who is, well, I don't know how old Tanner is now, 21, 22. Yeah, 22 probably, yeah. And uh, he would have been about 10 at this time. And he was the typical 10-year-old. And it was if you saw this, would you do this? And if you saw this, would you do that? And what would happen if you saw a 200-inch whitetail and a 200-inch mule deer fighting? And then a six-point elk came out and, <laughs> and a seven-foot black bear was there. Which one? And you had one bullet. And it was just, okay, Tanner. Okay, Tanner. And uh, so we, we, were, we were elk hunting, and it was early September. And uh, we decided to pull off the side of the road. Uh, it, was, it was damn hot for, for beginning of September, midday. And uh, took the quads down, so we pulled off the side of the road, and uh, we knew we were just out for a drive, just to, to to kill some fuel and and have a good BS session. So we pulled off the side, and uh, was on the side of a hill, and there was uh, trees at the top, and clear. Then there was a little forest service road that we were just on below us, and then there was a great big blue, blueberry patch, and we were not there five minutes and Tanner gets in front of him and he goes, Steve, if a bear walked out, would you shoot it? And I'm like, Oh Christ sakes, Tanner. Yes, I probably would. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. 15 seconds later, a five and a half foot black bear walked out towards the, the, the berry patch. And me and Mike looked at each other and went, there's no bloody way he saw that. <laughs> what the hell? And I, I, I said, well, damn it. I've said, yes, I'm going to shoot it. So, <laughs> so I'm going to shoot. So it. I'm going to try because my, past luck like i said it was the monkey on my back <laughs> and uh so it gets down and it's and and uh i hadn't learned by this time that uh you need to compensate it, for the angle on downhill shots yeah so it's it's eating on the berry patch and it's broadside and i got my 338 and boom and it doesn't move it its head turns around like what the hell was that and boom i took a second shot and this thing's like all right something's trying to get me and it turns and it starts running up the hill and i'm like oh god damn it i got one shot left and so it's running and uh it's about 10 yards before the bush and i let it and boom and it starts uh going ass over tea kettle backwards i'm like oh my god i i, I got a bear and it literally 
falls within uh, one of Mandy's favorite spots, right at the side of a hill where you could drive the quad up to it. So <laughs> yeah. We get down there and uh, it, w- it was dead and I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh my God, I, I finally got this off my back. Damn it, now what? Okay, good, Mike's here. I know what I'm doing with a bear now. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it was a, wasn't a huge bear, but uh, it filled the freezer nicely. And uh, blueberries, it was it was tasty and incredibly thankful. And it's got a spot on my wall. It does have a seen. spot on your wall. So yep. I, I used every last bit of it. So, yeah, that's uh, that, that's one of my, my one of my best days. Best days. Mandy? Mm, one of my best days. I got so many, but... It's got to be moose hunting. So me and my mom, we'd gone out first day of that general open season region six. In the morning, we didn't see anything. So we both had this feeling about an area my dad had logged 25 years ago. And we're like, we got to go out there. <laughs> sure enough, we went out and went to this little lake. I did some calling and I said to mom, okay, let's go further down the road. Then we'll come back. We'll give it some time, come back. So we went up the road and I saw another, like a really big bull up on the top of this high logging block. And I was looking at him, the binoculars. I said to my man, I'm going to have to come in here early in the morning by myself, maybe walk in there. And she said, yeah, I doubt we're going to see anything. Well, we're coming back down the road near that little lake I was calling at. And there's this great big bull right on the road. And mom's like, is that a moose? I'm like, yeah, it's a giant bull. (laughs) And she's like, no way, because she, she hadn't been with us on a successful moose hunt in years. She always said she was bad luck. So, yeah, I get out, and I shoot him, and he kind of limps off the road, and I'm like, I know he's hit. So I walk up there, and like it was like from me to you, Don. before I saw him laying there in the ditch, I was like, oh, Jesus!" <laughs> and I like shot him again because he wasn't quite down. But yeah, me and my mom got that together. And right when we were getting ready to like gut him, we're like, how are we going to turn this thing over? A guide came with his like camp attendant and he comes over. He's like, wow, you guys went and shot this yourselves. And he's like congratulating my mom because he thought that she shot. She's like, no, this young lady here shot it. He's like, oh my God, congratulations. So they went and helped us and then called dad on the sat phone, which is very that, handy that to have. That is freaking awesome. What you got, yeah. you and Steve have this like 1-800-GOT-MOOSE kind of thing. <laughs> like people just show up when you guys shoot stuff. It was lucky. Yeah. <laughs> like a bat signal. <laughs> yeah. Dustin? My best day is, uh, is a whole mix of things combined, actually. So I'd, uh, I'd got up early in the morning and I'd planned to meet a buddy of mine out uh, at a certain certain road and so he was the plan was the day before that he was going to go one way and I was going to go the other and that way if we got anything and we had a limited entry draw and so uh so anyways so I woke up that morning and got everything ready went to head out uh said goodbye to the say goodbye to the wife and uh just so happened that she was right around the nine month pregnant mark and she said to me she said well I'm feel like I'm feeling something this morning. I said, well, I'll, I'll just stay home. I'll send a text and I won't go out. She said, no, no, no. She says, well, you know, our, our first, it was like three days worth of labor sort of thing. So fly at her. Okay. I said, I'm not going if you don't want me to go. No, go ahead. Okay. God so bless anyways, her, by the way. God I know, bless right? Her. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so, so anyway, so I jump in the truck and meet my buddy at the point and he goes one way and I go the other and park the truck and I walk up into this block and nice big open block. 
a big brush pile beside me, a little bit of a ravine and bush on the other side of the ravine. So I stood there and texted the wife, text Kyla and said, Hey, like, how's things going? She says, well, these feelings are getting a little more intense here. Like, I, I think this is actually might be happening. She said, well, do you want me to come home? I said, no, not yet. Don't worry about it. Cause I'm only, again, I'm a half hour drive out of town. Not a big deal. I can rush in if needed. Okay. So I give a big moose call. I thought there stood there for a second. I thought, you know what? No, I'm going to send a text to my buddy. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go home. So I looked to my left and I looked to my right. And that's an awfully funny log sticking off of that brush pile. <laughs> well, it just so happens there must have been a five point bull laying on the other side of that brush pile. And he stood up and I'm no more than 30 yards from the brush pile. And uh, I haven't got an animal at this point by myself. I haven't been out by myself. Um, so here's this bull moose looking at me and uh, for some reason I thought well I should I should crouch down so I I crouched I crouched down behind this little willow there's like six sprigs of willow sticking out and uh this bull grunts at me and starts walking towards me and 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 so 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 I while I'm crouched down I grunted back thinking well maybe he'll stop right so he did stop and he's kind of looking down at me at this point because we're we're so close so I uh I looked through my scope and oh, wow. it's it's, yeah, it's it's dialed right in. So all I can see is, you know, I'm, I'm looking right at this mug that is looking straight at me. So I, I went, looked through the scope to the left, seen an antler to the right, seen an antler. I went back to the middle and I dropped down. And again, that to me made sense that that was forehead. And I pulled the trigger and with the boom and the willows started thrashing and I, I, I jumped up and I didn't see the moose. And I thought, shit, he ran down this hill into the ravine like I must have shot over him two or three big leaps trying to ensure that I could get to that ravine and look down the ravine and I tripped over an antler because <laughs> I had hit him square in the in the in the forehead and he just dropped Drop straight right in. there so anyways so uh so anyways so I, I I called Kyla right off the bat I'm like oh my gosh like I'm, I'm not gonna be home right away I I, I actually I just dropped a moose she's like oh well, awesome that's great that's I great. just had a baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so at this point, I'm 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 kind of panicking because I'm like, okay, well, Kyle had said that she's started to feel something, blah 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 blah. Uh, so I started calling my buddy. Of course, there's a little patch of service in his block where he didn't get service. So I actually called his wife and said, uh, you know, Kyla has started to feel uh, labor pains, and so like we got to get we got to get this on the road. And I just dropped a moose and yada yada yada. So at the same time as I'm grabbing all my stuff to get this thing gutted out, got a hold of my parents in Burns Lake. I'm just south of Prince. And I said to mom and dad, I said, I, I think you guys should should get on your way. Uh, so in getting all this done, Kyla calls me back and says, yeah, this is definitely labor, like I'm going into labor. So <laughs> we start on getting this moose gutted out. I'm just shaking, not only because, again, too, um, I'm by <laughs> myself, but now I know there's a baby on the way. I want to rush through this. Hurry up. Let's get it done. Let's get home. Um, my buddy shows up. He'd finally got my message. He comes into the block, backs his pickup right up. Well, not right up to it, but pretty darn close. And of course, in slicing it open, I end up stabbing myself in the finger. Blood starts gushing out. So I'm again, now I'm even more panicked, right? Holy crap, what's happened? My buddy's never gutted a moose before. And I'm, as I think I've mentioned, I'm not a pro. So I'm walking him through how to do this. He's got his son with him. We finally get the thing uh, gutted out. Uh, he gets a call that he's supposed to meet somebody else. He had a certain appointment at a time. Crap. So we uh, buck the thing in half. We put it into my little Dodge Dakota and I rip into town, blood running down my hand and that sort of thing. <laughs> 
We get home. My parents had actually beat us to my place from Burns Lake, the two and a half hour drive or whatever it is. Um, we unload the moose, give it to my dad to load up into our shed. He starts skinning it out and off to the hospital with my wife. So we get to the hospital, they take her into labor for assessment, and they take me to day surgery for stitches. stitches. <laughs> so anyways, they assessed her. Nope, you're not going to have this baby yet. They go to send her home, so they actually send her up to day surgery to meet me. I'm a big wuss when it comes to needles and stitches and that sort of thing. So anyways, I've got my eyes closed, and I'm, I'm like heavy breathing and that sort of stuff. And the doctor says, are you okay right now? And I go... Yeah, I think I'll be all right. And he looks at me and he goes, not you, her. And my wife's like holding on to her stomach and heavy breathing. So I'm like, oh, shoot. You know, so anyways, uh, by time, we, so we got sent home, uh, me with my stitches and my wife not ready to have a baby yet. And uh, uh, shortly before dinner, we uh, we headed back to the hospital and that's when my son was born. So that was, uh, it was a very compact and exciting day. There's a lot of, that's a really fun and enjoyable story to tell there's a lot of memory in that it's, no it's, kidding. it's really think, it's really cool <laughs> i think we all want to know how's your finger it's yeah. good it's yeah. good actually yeah i yeah, know it's 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 all right yeah inquiring minds want to know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there's a little bit of a scar but i'll be okay <laughs> um okay i'm gonna we're gonna round this out a couple more questions for us to field and then uh, that's a wrap how do we think social media and we're gonna do a we're gonna do a podcast on this in, in a few weeks um we got TJ Schwanke from Outdoor Quest. Outdoor Quest. And Nick Traherne, our friend from the photography world. Uh, they'll be on as guests to talk about that. So, um, but let's talk a little bit about it. How do we think social media has changed hunting? Is it good or is it bad? It goes back to what Dustin said. We, we're our own worst enemies sometimes. Uh, it's, it, it's been great, but it's also been terrible. Uh, it, it's great for getting our positive message out there. But as we know, on the flip side, it's 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 easy to to ruin things uh, with social media. And I'll I'll use the grizzly hunt. We lost that due to social media pressure. Uh, what finally ended it for us was uh, that viral video that went around of that grizzly bear that was on the the, the snow slide. It kept that was sliding shot seven sliding. or eight times in Alaska, I might add. Yeah. Uh, but they they said this was happening in BC. Yeah. And I would we have lost the grizzly hunt without social media? It's it's tough to say. It it's not popular, uh, but did did it take off like that because of the fact that there's over a billion users on social media now? And uh, it, as quick as something good can get out there, something negative goes just as fast. Yeah. What do you think, Mandy? Uh, I definitely agree with Steve. There, um, it has been good in some aspects of getting like connections, connecting with other hunters, making friendships there. Yeah. For sure, especially in the women's groups because there's a lot of women's hunts that are organized, women meeting up. Because, like, a lot of the time we're not comfortable going out with a man, but, like, if there's another woman that will say, hey, I'll take you out if you're, if you want to learn, like, they'll come out, right? Like, that's how I met my friend Ella. Yeah. Like, was on social media. Yeah. Well, I think we've all, we've all met here through social media. It, mm -hmm. that, that doesn't happen without it right That's so right. there there are i mean it, there are good benefits from it well sometimes yeah well i guess yeah <laughs> i don't like i don't like you either so but i mean other than steve it's been really good but i but i, I common common sentiment yeah. but when we look at social media in terms of it, it can it can do good or it can do evil i guess 
um, and it can do it quickly. So you can you can have a virtual campfire. You can extend you can extend your circle of of, of, of people and the and the places that communicate. Um, it's global. I mean, some of the the hunting pages that we run, you've got members from the that are from the United States and around the world that are on some of our pages or other provinces and all of those. I mean, so it's it, it's possible to recruit a ton of perspective. But the worst things that happen though is the like you said, it's the infighting. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we we seem to. We have a propensity for turning the or, or or illustrating the worst versions of ourselves at volume, and it's easy to access, and it's a screenshot, or and 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 then it's shared out everywhere. So, and the, I think the 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 where I where I'm curious is, we all struggle with, I and I I get, I I'm, I've had a lot of people challenge me when I get on them about self editing, right? Like think about what you're going to post and why you're going to post it and think about where you're going to post and, and why you're going to post it. So our, our hunting groups are all closed, right? Uh, their privacy settings are set that way for a reason because they don't need, you know, the general public having to be invited into that. And I, on my personal page, it's my own, per- and I'm not, I don't have a problem with people that do it, but I personally don't get into posting any of my, my kill pictures just because I, I know that all of the vitriol and, and the fact that it can it can get into the wrong hands. And you can't you can't contextualize a picture. You can't. They, they see a the, they see a picture of my dead boar that I sent you guys the other day. It, if I send that to my aunt, you know, Auntie Dar, I love you to death. You <laughs> you hate that I hunt, and that would just be every reason to to explain why you hate it. Right? There's a dead bear, and there's you know it's. There's nothing that's warm and fuzzy. I can't tell you the whole experience, and that picture is a snapshot in time, and it becomes a thousand uh, word thing. It, it's a thousand word thing that, and it's not your words, right? It doesn't explain anything. It just it's all it is is a dead animal. It's an outcome. So I think that's the dangerous part of it, and I struggle with that. Part of me is like, screw you, like you don't like it, then don't follow me, right? But that doesn't work all the time either. So. I don't know. That's that's one of my struggles with social media is I think that we need to be better at self-editing. Um, and I think we need to be we need to be cognizant of the fact that all of our infighting bullshit that we do. I mean, that's the worst thing, in the, the worst landscape in the world to, to, to air it out on, like agree to disagree and move on. But like we have enough struggles. Social media just makes it worse when all they can feel is, you know, that we're we're constantly bickering amongst ourselves. We can't get together on the same thing. You can't even. You can't even post an opinion on whether you like a Creedmoor or a two, you know, a, a two forty. You can't post an opinion on a caliber and not have people send you know hate messages back back and forth. Sometimes it's nobody just crazy. Li- nobody likes a Creedmoor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dustin, any thoughts there? I'm, I'm, I, I can just, I can agree with everything that's been said. Um, you know, whether it's the the self editing or, uh, or or not getting along. Um, again back to the grizzly bear hunt stuff gets uh stuff can get screenshot even in groups um where everybody has been kind of accepted as kind of the you know accepted into a private group i guess you get one person that is slightly disgruntled about what they've seen um they'll they can screenshot something and now it's for the world to see it can go out into public groups and can get sent amongst friends and and whatever right um and uh, and it it can get really ugly really fast and just kind of fuel that negative attitude around hunting whether it's whether it is a clean quick kill but like you said it's that that picture can be a, 
that picture can be worth a thousand words, but what do those words say? Yeah, and they're not, and, <laughs> right. and they're not the words of the person that you know that took it. Sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah, and 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 then there's the thing. <laughs> Steve had a post up in BC Hunting and Fishing, and it and it's indicative of what drives me nuts. Somebody had a picture of us of a I don't know like a five foot bear. You know, it's a legal bear. It's nothing wrong with it. It's a you know somebody shot a you know a three year old bear. It's fine, right? They're gonna eat it. They harvest it. It's legal. There's nothing wrong with it. But then some jackass has to get in there and it's like, well, you got no business killing that, right? And then it's all of these people that know better than everybody else. And it's a big pile on effect. So the person that goes and had this great experience and shoots, I mean, my first bear is, is a, I mean, we ate it. Thank you, Mark Newdorf and Steve for, for convincing me to, to make sure I ate it. But it's also, it, I mean, that bear was only a three-year-old bear. It's on the back of my couch. I, that bear and I, or together every single day of my life. I am always on that couch before bed. Um, I always am playing with his claws and I like, you know, I remember the the hunt and the experience, but it was a small bear. And when I posted it, there were some jackasses that said some stupid things about it. Is that bear illegal? You know, I can't believe you shot that. Well, I did, right? So get the fuck over it, right? <laughs> like, it's yeah. like, like get over it. Like the bear, I, it was legal. There's nothing wrong with the bear. It passed the muster. Like, can we move on, please? Sorry, I didn't shoot a brute, right? And then, and then it's a pile-on effect. And you and do it, see that, like with with the I've I've seen a hundred spike buck posts, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. look at this buck I got, and it's like, oh, well, you should have let it grow up, you know? Oh, did it still have milk on its lips, you know? You got yeah. those comments, like, oh, yeah. come on. And how right. to make it, but just how to take somebody from a really great experience. Yeah. Did who was the, there was a young girl that shot a moose? Do you remember that? And she shot uh, shot a calf moose, legal calf oh, moose. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. And, and I mean, she won't. She didn't want to post. She didn't want to hunt anymore. Like her, her, her. It was her mom or her dad. I can't remember. It was on one of our pages. It's like, her I mean, it, yep. yeah. It it wasn't on our page. It was on another page. It said she doesn't want to hunt anymore. Yeah. Like it was was so affected by the all the people jumping on her. I mean, it's a legal calf. And like, what does that say about us as a community? Yeah. Right? <laughs> to but drive it's to somebody out of the community. You, you would think that a social media landscape would give you an idea. I mean, and that's what we've been trying to promote with uh, with the podcast and and um, the way that we the way that we uh, engage the world uh, through Spruce City. Um, you know, through our, our hunting pages and our was we're trying to build a community, right? The idea of community. There should be no wrong answers and. You shouldn't be afraid to to not know. I'm okay not. I mean, Mandy's a better hunter than I am. It's obvious, right? She's got more experience. Just watch what happens when she processes a bear and when I do. One, you know, you know the kid that can never color inside the lines? Mine will look like that and Mandy's will look like it's supposed to be there, right? But I'm, but I'm okay with people that have more experience than, than I do, right? You can learn from that. We should all be okay with the fact that some people will, it's bigger than yours and some people it was, they have more experience than you do. You shouldn't be, we're trying to, this thing that we do is hard to explain. We love wildlife, right? We fight to protect it and then we kill those things. We don't harvest them, we kill them, right? And then we eat them and that's what we do. And we all reconcile ourselves with that, but that's a tough thing to sell. It's even tougher when we all can't get on the same freaking page, right? And we spend all of our time tearing each other down. I think that's the worst part of social media. And maybe I want to change my amber, my answer. Remember I said what I struggle with? It's two parts. It's all the shit I said before and then that thing. So, <laughs> okay, I'll let you guys take this one. Uh, we'll do this. Where's hunting headed? Where do we think hunting is headed? 
Don't everybody jump in at once. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that, uh, you know, if I can be the, the pessimist over here, I think that if we cannot get together as a community, if we cannot prove that we are hunters and conservationists, I think that our, uh, I think that hunting as a whole will go the way of the grizzly bear hunt. I think that there are anti-groups uh, that don't like any part of it. And I think that they will pick it off one by one. Mm-hmm. They'll start, they started with the grizzly bear hunt. Uh, we seen a bit of a backlash on uh, cougar hunting and wolf hunting and that sort of stuff. Those things are still out there. Well, once those are gone, they're not going to stop there. And no, they're not happy with that. Um, because if they're not happy with you shooting a grizzly bear or a wolf, they won't be happy with you shooting a deer or a moose as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I think that's the way it is going to be headed. If we can't pull ourselves together as a community and prove, like you said, that we are, uh, not only just a consumptive user, but we can prove that there is an exchange that we put back as well as take, right? We need to do the the tree planting in the wildlife world <laughs> so to speak right yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of course it's not easy to go out and plant moose and deer seeds they don't grow that well but um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but i found those little brown seeds and i've planted them but nothing's no, nothing's up ever bobbed no. up yet yeah. um, yeah. but uh but but yeah so i i don't know uh i don't know for sure but that that would just be my my perception of it of course there is there is that opportunity there is that possibility we do have that very passionate community that could easily stand up and say here's what we're doing and here's what we're going to do the backcountry cleanups have been very successful that sort of stuff to be able to prove um we use it and therefore we take care of it as well oh completely agree it's uh hunting in the in the mid 80s in in bc we had something like 176,000 license holders and last year we had what 110,000 yeah so something like that so we have Mm -hmm. lost hunting recruitment is that because uh as, as Mandy talked about the the stigma of the, the just being the men have aged out and we haven't recruited in young men young women or, or are we keeping them out because as Dustin said the aunties are picking us off they've got a consistent message don't kill we've got one message kill but you can only kill this way and you can only kill if it's got this many antlers and this it has to be above six feet long to be a bear and we we we, we we kill each other, right? And and uh, we, we need to put our targets on the right thing. And we need to show what we have in common versus what we don't have in common. We Everybody loves the outdoors. We all want sustainability. We all like the organic, clean food. Instead of uh, celebrating our differences, we need to celebrate what's in common. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a poster in the in the kitchen side of the hatchery there that I dug out when I was cleaning up in there the one time and I rolled it out and there's this beautiful picture of an elk and it says uh, next time you're stunned by the beauty of wildlife thank a hunter and it's from the the late 80s, 80s or something yeah. like that mm-hmm. and when I looked at it I I kind of thought when I first read it I'm like why <laughs> you know I, here I am here I am as a hunter being <laughs> get like, off the team Dustin <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I I got the text of that picture right. and you're going yeah. why I I'm said like, to you, I'm like why what did what did we do <laughs> right like you know don't um, you know we yeah. did all that stuff yeah I guess so yeah I like there's there's a there's a whopping fifty cents taken off my my you know given to HCTF uh, so uh, I don't know but what what did I do why did I yeah. you know recycle like, this so, I'm going to contribute exactly yeah. right so yeah. I I guess uh, you know just to kind of to feed into that that I. I didn't, I didn't understand it. I didn't, I don't, I didn't get it. I dig it. I dig it. Mandy? Yeah, I agree with what's being said here. I think um, we need to get more involved. 
like politically and get our membership numbers up in our fishing game clubs and like memberships for like wild sheep society and whatnot the organizations are actually doing work because if we're all out there fighting each other we're not on the same page we're not giving these groups like the numbers they need to like advocate for us on like government's behalf like where are we going so we're gonna go the way of the grizzly hunt but if so but i think that's that's the thing where i when i look at where we're headed um you know how many people we have in spruce city uh last year we had just over 200 200 yeah Yeah. so 200 members and i don't know how many people in wild sheep for the province steve uh almost a thousand yeah so provincially a thousand how many hunters do we have maybe a hundred thousand how many people would sheep hunt in in bc uh probably about a thousand probably about a thousand yeah (laughs) probably about a thousand but so some some organizations are great at recruiting people and getting people to do stuff i mean we have some members and i understand that not everybody will participate but when we have activities um or we have engagement pieces i can tell you that at 200 members it's the same 20 people Mm -hmm. and when you look at our hunting pages you know, um, there's lots of times where people people will take the time to like a post or comment on a photo, um, and they'll all go hunting. But when you say, "Hey, listen, we need you to be involved," right? We either need your money um, to to fund a project, or we need you to get on the put some boots on the ground. There is a real reluctance to do work, and, and I mean, I, I was no different. I spent a good portion of my my hunting life not being involved, and. I'd bitch about everything that was wrong with hunting as I saw it, right? You know, we're running out of this and we don't have that and the habitat's shit and blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, okay, well, how long can you continue to sit and bitch on the sidelines? Like, instead of doing that, how about, instead of complaining about it, how about be involved in it? And even my level of involvement, I mean, I understand we all have lives and there's things that need to compete, but I think the the struggle for hunting isn't just, it's not just to get more, hunt. To be, to be frank, remember I said this in the last podcast, like, Tomorrow, we don't want 300,000 hunters, right? I, I do not need another 200,000 people to compete with, right? What I need out of the 100,000 hunters that are there right now in this province is you need 100,000 hunters to stand the fuck up. We right? have that voice. Politicians yep. say it all the time. If every single hunter stood up with the same message, you'd get exactly what you want. Exactly. They got to yeah. stand up. They got to stand up and they got to kick in, right? They got to kick in. I think where you're going with that too is, is almost feeds back into our last little bit there about what, uh, what does social media do? I think it's very easy to complain on Facebook and it's very easy to see a complaint and jump on board and be like, yeah, you're right. And it is very easy to, to, to sign a petition and, and kind of pat yourself on the back and, and move on. Um, liking a post and and then signing an online petition it 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 isn't always enough it isn't always going to do that mm-hmm. that that thing right. that you want it to do right you need it to go that one that one step further um you know in in the actually in the in the mid 70s with spruce city wildlife some of the news articles that that spruce city wildlife was being reported on for activities on mcmillan creek and with the salmon enhancement um spruce city was in, uh, referred to as an environmental organization not a fishing game club, not a not a hunting club, not a not a fishing club, not anything like that. Not even a, a club, but an environmental organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, almost when you think environmental organization, you almost lean a little bit. Oh, you lean you, away from it. You, yeah, you don't bit, lean into it. You're no, like, oh no no, you, no, 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 no. You lean no. a little bit. You know, Green Party sort of thing, right? Yeah. Like that's that's kind of the the way it goes, right? Um, and and that's but at the end of the day, 
you know, they're, they're even between the ante hunters and the hunters, there is still a common goal um, of in, ensure there are some common goals, sorry. <laughs> um, well, no, of, nobody of, wants to see wildlife go anywhere. Exactly. Go and that's exactly it. Whether, whether you are a road hunter or a hiking hunter or a, or a high mountain, mountain hunter, she- yeah. or a mountain sheep hunter, or even an ante hunter, uh, what are you advocating for? Or what do, would you like to see more wildlife, more moose in the swamp mm-hmm. and sheep on the mountain sort of thing, right? So Yeah, you're all fighting for you. We're fighting for the opportunity, the right to be able to continue to, to have this as a tradition, mm-hmm. right? A, a, as a way to go out and not just put food on the table, but enjoy the experience, however you enjoy yeah. it, right? I don't care if you're a hound hunter or a predator hunter or whatever it is that you do. We all need to recognize we got to fight for everybody's ability to do that exact thing. But they got to stand up. And I think the biggest thing that's in our way sometimes is our own apathy. And it's no different than politics. You know, if you look at politics in general, have an election and then everybody cries about the outcome. Oh, the wrong person got in. Okay. How en- how engaged were you in the problem? Well, I went and voted, right? Okay. Did, <laughs> if but, you're lucky, but, but did you get everybody else to get off their ass and vote, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, I think that's one of the challenges. Uh, anybody else have anything else? You're okay for final thoughts? Okay. Mandy's going to wrap this thing up. So uh, Mandy, final thoughts are with you. Okay. So whether you are born into a family that has hunted for generations or have come about it later in life, hunting becomes more than just a hobby to us. It becomes your lifestyle and a part of your identity. The end of each season finds us reminiscing about the season that was and eager to start the next season. The myriad of emotions we experience on our hunts, anywhere from elation to despair, is what will push us forward to the next adventure. We are compelled by the richness of experience we often miss in the rat race of our daily lives. Our experience gives us lessons, imbues knowledge and awareness of our own strengths, weaknesses, and a measure of our own character. We would gladly trade a day at the office for the torture of a heavy pack out, many miles of trails and roads traversed, cold early mornings, sleepless nights, and physical discomfort just to know our true selves. Uh, this truth brings clarity of purpose that change how we engage and experience the environment around us. Our individual motivations may be different. Whether hunting is a way to feed your family, perhaps push yourself mentally and physically, experience the world around you, or just connect with friends and family. Whatever guides you into the field day after day and season after season, there is a common purpose and connection to preserve and protect this way of life for us and for future generations. Hunting is something that we have done for eons and is part of our heritage. Um, For the majority of history, it has been praised and we have been revered by past societies. However, we find these new challenges. We've come under attack by the media, public, even our own community, which we have just talked about. But judgments aside, we can accept the simple truth that life feeds on life and our intention is the ethical pursuit of protein by our own hand, to become connected to our food source, to be a participant in the natural world, and be more connected to our roots and nature on a deeper level. By becoming an active participant in nature itself, I find we learn to have a greater appreciation for life and landscape around us. And we have perfect opportunity actually right now to change the narrative with interest in hunting on the rise due to disruption in our food chain. And I urge every one of you to please get involved in your local fishing game clubs or any of the other wonderful organizations we have in BC. Become a member, donate, just get involved out there, and happy hunting. 
That is awesome. Well said. Well said. A round of applause for Mandy. That was dynamite. Thank you. That was well. All right. Well, that brings episode four to a close. We just want to end with a quick shout out to uh, one of our sponsors, our good friends, Dave and Cassie at KKS Tactical here in beautiful, sunny Prince George. Uh, if you are in the market for anything, hunting, fishing, fishing is new, but hunting and firearms related, uh, they got all kinds of kit and swag. Uh, if you're into some of that fun paintball and stuff, they also supply that entire community as well. Uh, they're good folks. Uh, they happen to be great customers of mine at Wood Wheaton Supercenter. <laughs> Shameless self-promotion of the car dealership. Uh, they're great customers. They're great folks. They're super connected to us here at, super, uh, at Spruce City Wildlife and in our outdoor community. Uh, and we just want to give them a shout out. Uh, they got this court case in front of them and we're, we're thinking of them. So David Cassie, thanks for all the, 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 the great uh, support you lend the hunting and fishing community here in Prince George. And uh, we will send as many people to your door as we can. Stay tuned for episode five coming up. Uh, we have got Kyle from Wild Sheep. And then uh, we have got a, oh, she's going to be quite a fireworks session. Stay tuned for episode six on the <laughs> controversial <laughs> firearms ban. Uh, so Steve is going to share that with Mike Morris, Brandy Hansen, Todd Doherty. Uh, and Cass Premack and Mandy is going to jump in and uh, help stick handle that one as well because she likes this whole podcast and things so darn much. Thanks to Matt, our producer and engineer, for being patient. Uh, Dustin, Steve, myself, Mandy, signing off from the Spruce City Wildlife Hatchery here in Prince George. Have a great night, everybody. Cheers. Mm-hmm.